the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. My phone just buzzed in my hand. I got a text message, and the text message says, in the building. <laughs> it's from Jan Morgan. Jan Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted you to know I was here. Yeah, so. she just walked in. So anyway, good to see you again, Jan. Yeah, Thanks good for to see coming you today. Great. RD is here. Paul is here. The power panel is completely together. And uh, we got a lot of things to discuss today on the show. And we're going to start off with uh, Venezuela. Let me just read one paragraph from an article on the Daily Caller. And then I'm going to turn it over to Jan. Because she sent me a text message that said that she wanted to talk about Venezuela. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Venezuela banned private citizens from owning guns seven years ago leaving firearms solely in the hands of the army and the police. Now, as the country's opposition attempts to oust the oppressive Maduro regime from power, it's a decision some have come to regret. What a a statement, and what truth to that. Jan, I give you the mic. It is a time, not only that, not only are they regretting it, they're calling for help. And who are they calling? People with arms. They're looking for looking toward an armed country to come to the aid of the people. And that's a place that I don't ever want Americans to be in. Never. And that's exactly where we'll be if we start down this path of gun control, which we've already started. We need to start repealing and moving away from it. You know, in every single country throughout world history, every time mass numbers of people, Dave, have been annihilated by their own governments, it's after a process which was always the same. And think about this. Over 170 million people in the 20th century have been annihilated by their own governments after being disarmed. And it always started with gun control measures, which went through this process. Gun registration, gun confiscation, annihilation. And you don't have to take my word for it. Watch the documentary Innocence Betrayed. That's the world history of gun control. And if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Sure. People, I, I was watching Fox News this morning, and a Fox commentator said, this is where socialism leads. Look, folks, we need to learn from this. This is what happens when you have socialism. And I said, no, it's not. The, the people in this country are not there as a result of socialism. They're where they are right now because they've been disarmed. I mean, that's the bottom line. You can defend everything else if you are an armed citizenry. Correct. When you disarm people, you leave them as sitting ducks. Sitting ducks. That's why the Second Amendment is so important. It is important. The the very nature of being free people is that the government can't – it doesn't have the authority or the power to come and just hurt you simply because you have the ability Mm -hmm. to do things or or be things. And that's one of the problems with our society right now, I think, is from politically speaking, we think, well, it's a majority vote on something. It must be okay so long as it's not – terribly bad, or at least what we think might be bad. But no, the fact is that government should not have the power to do things to people, to, to mm-hmm. force them to do things, unless that person is doing something that violates the rights of other people. Right. And 
the, the fact is that owning weapons never violates the rights of anyone else. It just, well, just listen, simply the, doesn't. The bottom line is this. You know, I always have the bottom line. The bottom line is there are only two classes of people who are uncomfortable with the exercise of rights. Two classes of people, slaves or tyrants. So take a moment and classify yourself. If you're not a slave or a tyrant, then you're a liberty-loving American. And if you're a liberty-loving American, you should have no problem with the exercise of our rights. Well, and I, I kind of made that point a while back about um, – this was in regards to occupational license, I think, and like, like in regards to somebody thought we should have licensing for barbers. You know, if you really think that government should be able, be allowed to come along and tell you you have to get a license, get permission from them, so just so you can make an honorable living, I think that makes you a slave. And, th- and this mm-hmm. person um, was under the impression, no, that's not slavery. Slavery, and she went off into a list of all mm-hmm. sorts of um, um, op- oppressive things. You know, slavery doesn't necessarily mean serious oppression. Slavery means that you have a master. And it, and it, and it is a process to slavery. You know, I, I visited the state of Massachusetts last year. They asked me to speak at a rally, an event, and what I noticed there is the people, even the people who are gun owners, mm-hmm. they don't realize how much they have given up to their government. It's kind of like bat- a battered woman. Most women who are battered don't realize how bad they have it because it it's a process. It starts out with verbal abuse and then it proceeds to you know, intimidation, uh, and then it's actual physical violence. It's to the point where, right. well, well, and so well, when well, I talked to the people of Massachusetts, I said, "You don't even realize they were saying, well, we still have gun rights. I mean, we can carry guns. We just are limited of how many rounds we can carry, and we can only carry certain types of guns." I said, "Wait a minute, to jump through all kinds of hoops. exactly. Right. That, that's not gun rights. You don't rights. even realize how how, how bad you're restricted you that, are. That's like a slave." Obtaining the right to carry a slingshot. I'm sorry, that's not a right to carry a slingshot. You just grant you you, were, you just got your master to give you the privilege of mm-hmm. carrying a slingshot. You're not a you're not that's, a free man. You're a slave. Sure. Well, the whole ideology of socialism is everybody sharing everything and the government being in control and deciding who gets what. Right. To equalize everything, so you have to have a source of authority and you have to have someone deciding who has more than everybody else so they can take it away and share it evenly from each mm-hmm. according to their. Ability uh, uh, yeah. to each according to their needs. So, so, if you look at that, you know, I, I brought up last week, I couldn't pronounce it, but Milada Horakova from uh, the Czech Republic. Right. The Czech Republic. Now, she fought for freedom during World War II. And then, but the socialists came to the Czech Republic and ended up. And the communists. And the communists also. So, she ended up being an enemy of the state because she exercised the freedom of speech. She ended up dead. And she ended up being executed for being an enemy of the state. People were brainwashed, and I don't think people in the United States realize how much socialism is in the United States today. And, and, you know, you talk to people that's working right now. They're paying $2,000 a month for their family insurance with a $13,000 family deductible and 5000 deductible each. That money is being split up five or six different ways after you get that insurance company. And that insurance company is giving money to everybody else to take care of the group so everybody has equally. Well, so, and how many politicians do they have to, do they have to buy out? To keep themselves in power. As well, well, we have ex- we have examples of that here in <laughs> Arkansas. Medicaid companies, you know, over four or five years, is paying uh, 
politicians nine hundred thousand dollars over four or five years to consult them on you know how to get bills passed so can we ask, state. can we can we figure out if that was a good investment for them uh, i don't know it wasn't a good investment for one of for one person in that deal but people we are way down the road of socialism the working free person right now is already carrying three other people on his back when he works every day mm-hmm. and uh, family businesses are the first ones to go in this situation and no one is paying any attention that the family businesses are are, are falling well, okay, left and right. Think, before you guys you, you pulled us away from the second amendment now we're on to socialism Again, and I want to. I'm not finished with the Second Amendment yet. I, I want to. I'm no, going to stand on my back. soapbox. It goes again. hand go in back. hand. Right. It does go, go hand in hand. But this this is why now more than ever it is critical that we elect people to represent us in our city government, in our county government, in our state, and in our federal government who understand that the right to keep and bear arms is a right, not a government-issued privilege. And on that note, I want to mention, and and especially if you're a Republican, we've got to carefully vet our Republicans, folks. The Republican Party platform is very clear that we support the Second Amendment, okay? So any, any Republican who doesn't stand firm on the Second Amendment is not a solid Republican. It is a counterfeit Republican. And on that note, I want to mention that State Representative Dan Sullivan, who is a solid Second Amendment advocate, is going to announce May 23rd that he is running for state senate. Against uh, for, John Cooper. Against yes. John Cooper. Yes. All right. And we'll be Cooper, knocking doors Cooper, in that area. Cooper stepped aside <laughs> and did not represent us. He didn't keep his promises on the health care issue, but he also didn't keep his promises on the gun rights issue. He w- he yeah, voted down stand against down. Stand Your Ground yeah. Law. That's right. Uh, so, you know, we need to be very careful about vetting our people who are running for Republican offices and make sure that when they say they're a Republican, you give them a copy of the Republican Party platform and say, hey, this is who we say we are. And you need to adhere to this and we're going to hold you to this. And we also need recall option. For those I, who don't. I couldn't agree more. Just the sad part is the people that control the money controls the politics and the policies. So if people are having to come up here to be lifelong politicians and get along, they have to go along with the program, and they and they have to go along with whatever leadership tells them, whatever mm-hmm. leadership tells them to do, right. or or they find themselves not on any committees that amounts to anything. They found out that mm-hmm. no bills can get passed. Right. And, you know. Especially hey, when Republicans side with Democrats. We, you know, I, I spoke, I was a speaker at the Craighead County Republican Committee last week, which is why I wasn't able to join you guys. I missed y'all. <laughs> but it was an important meeting because our party, and it's not just in Arkansas, it's across America, and it's on the federal level as well. Our party is split. We saw it in the presidential race when Trump ran, you know, between the, the establishment elites and and the, the outsiders. But what they're calling outsiders are actually people who want to adhere to the party platform. And so the Craighead County Committee is split, just like many county committees are around this state. And I was there to speak as a unifier. I was Because I came, the conservative base who had left the party there came that night. And my message to them was, look, this is not the time to bail on the party. If things aren't going your way, you need to roll your sleeves up, roll up your sleeves, come to the table and fight. Because... We're on the right side. We've got the Republican Party platform to, on our side to say, look, this is who we say we are. we got to adhere to it. So I don't know who you people are, but you can either come to the table and agree that you're going to follow this and support uh, legislators who are going to adhere to this, or you need to go join the Democrats. 
or the Libertarian Party or somebody else, whoever. Well, they're not going to join the Libertarian Party. <laughs> no, sure. no, maybe the Democrats. But the, and the, Democrats, it, it yeah. is it is it is frustrating though because we, we've got so many Republicans. You know, it was Richard Walmack that had one of the strongest gun bills we, we've yes, seen we for a get, while, and it was Republicans. That, that, that stopped that, it, that kept that it from happening. From, yeah. from apparently, he couldn't um, get them to commit. Now, let me read again this first paragraph. Okay. It's important for everybody to hear this From again. the Daily Caller. Yeah. Venezuela banned private citizens from owning guns just seven years ago, mm-hmm. leaving firearms solely in the hands of the Army and the police. Now, as the country's opposition attempts to oust the oppressive Maduro regime from power, it's a decision some have come to regret. On that note also, people who are watching this visually on TV, looking at the protesters, it's so sad. How sad is it to watch these people throwing rocks at military vehicles? You know, because why? Because they don't have anything to fight back with. But this also should point out and and should... be validation for our position that you also don't regulate firearms. You know, the whole point of making this a right instead of a privilege is that you can't regulate or restrict rights. And 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 these people need the same firearms that your military has. We don't want to be stuck with revolvers when you're fighting your state government, which is where Michael Bloomberg's group would take us. Let's go back to revolvers and and five-round magazines, you know, where you have to have a thumb imprint. If you're going to shoot it, nobody else can shoot that firearm. I mean, that's that's where they want us. Well, they actually want us to complete gun elimination, but we need the same kind of weapons our military has. That's the only way you can stand up and fight back. That's essentially what that means. The, The idea of no infringement says shall not be infringed. You know, the, the nature of infringement means you can't even do it a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. if, if I stick my fingernail over your property line, that's an infringement, right? Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, don't, like, I don't have to. I don't have to step over the line to, for it to be an infringement. If I just, and the anti-gun people listening right now are saying, "Well, what about those first words? Nobody ever wants to talk about those first words of the Second Amendment." The a well-regulated the, militia. The, the, the Who preamble? is the militia? The people. What does well-regulated mean? It doesn't mean government-restricted. But remember, the whole Second Amendment is not about giving the people a right. It's about limiting the power of the government. And a well-regulated means a well-trained, a well-trained people. What I would like to know is where would we be if we would have let the English take the guns from the colonists in the <laughs> exactly. revolution. I mean, they came over. You know, they were getting ready before the the revolution uh, broke out. The English were saying, "Hey, you know what we need to do? We need to take the guns away from those people." Mm-hmm. So, uh, Americans What's have been gun loving, you know, freedom loving people before we even had a country. Exactly. And if we would have turned our guns in, we wouldn't have a country right now. We only have a country because we were armed enough to fight back. And they weren't merely armed with muskets. They had cannons. They they yeah. weren't merely armed with these little black powder muskets. Those people Amer- these these early Americans, they had big cannons, probably in some cases big enough to stop and some look at of the shooting modern at the synagogue. Artillery. When did the shooting at the synagogue stop? When an armed person showed up on the scene. That's when it stopped. He had to go to his car, I believe. I heard an account of it from the mm-hmm. police at the time and said that the person acquired a firearm. Mm-hmm. You know, he shouldn't have had to acquired one. He should have had it on him whenever it broke out, ideally. I don't know what the laws are 
in California. <laughs> but I think the federal law and the Second Amendment, in my book, overrides the state law. Yeah, right. And here's I have a message for the Jewish people. Here, here, here's what I want to say to the Jewish people. Vote you, Republican. of all people, of all people, should understand the history of gun control. And of all people, should never be voting Democrat or for any legislator who would in any way agree to an infringement on your gun rights. Because after all, the Holocaust, how can we ever forget what led to the Holocaust? It was the disarming of the Jewish people. <laughs> you had no way to fight back. Now, I, I heard a, a account of what happened from the priest that was involved that, that, mm-hmm. that they shot at. Right. And he said that he had instructed the person that worked at Border Patrol that worshipped with him there in that synagogue. He instructed him to bring his firearm and have mm-hmm. it with him at all times because right. – he was aware that things like this happened. I would not be a member of a church that disarmed its people. I, I tell you what, the church that I belong to in Texarkana, First Baptist, Moore's Lane, that was the most heavily armed group of people I've ever seen. The pastors armed. There were people in – I sang in the choir, and there were members of the choir with guns under their choir robes, and I was one of them. Uh, our TV ministry, volunteer TV ministry team, took a trip every year to Front Sight Firearms Institute to train. Churches are targets, people, of radical extremists. All right. Got to get a break in. Let's do that. Don't forget about uh, our friend uh, Dwayne Smith and his insurance agency over in Sherwood. It's an all-state insurance agency, so they've got Mr. Mayhem locked up right now. You know, at least for people who take their insurance. What you need to do is call them, 501-819-0373. Set up an appointment. Bring your insurance policies in, your home, your life your uh, car, your motorcycle, your boat, bring it all in and set it down and say, beat it. And let's see what they can do at Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. They're at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. Set up your appointment. Give them a call, 501-819-0373. All right, back with you. Now, you're saying that this uh, video... Uh, Innocence Betrayed is uh, on YouTube. It's on YouTube. It's Innocence Betrayed, and uh, it is an amazing documentary, and it shows it's the history of gun control throughout the world. It it documents mass annihilations of people in different countries, and it shows that the process was always the same. Gun registration, confiscation, and annihilation. The Bolsheviks. Yes. The Maoists. Now, looks like Venice. And it's by a Jewish organization. It looks like Venezuela is heading that way. Mm-hmm. That's what they're acting like, at least. Well, well they're already there. The people yeah. there, yeah, well, they're going to have to mass annihilate people in Venezuela because the people are are in the streets fighting, and all they have to fight with is rocks. And we've already seen them today running over people with military vehicles. I mean, mm-hmm. they, it's a very graphic video that I've, I was looking at just before I came up here, and I just, you know, it's well, as, I, as I pointed out to you and to R.G. and to uh, Paul, see, you, you, you're making the statement of a plaque that is in as you exit at Wright Patterson Air Force Base from their military museum there on flight and it says those who don't learn from history are bound to repeat it. Right. And uh, Venezuela is repeating China right now. How many people have forgotten Tiananmen Square? I mean the most famous picture came out of that was the picture of the um, of course, Lady Liberty that they built in Tiananmen Square. And then the other one was the guy standing in front of a tank. Remember that? Just right. Can't. And he was lucky that the, the, they, the soldier they, wouldn't run him over. They, and, the, and the tank operator actually drove around him, didn't he? Yes. Well, what did the, 
What was that? Was that Venezuela that the Donald Trump said the problem is that they did not institute socialism correctly? The problem is, is they did. They did. Yeah. Period. Yeah, right. They did. And then they well, ran out of other people's money. Well, this exactly also right. reiterates the, the, the critical importance of an election process that has integrity. You know, the state of Arkansas got an F rating. That was according to John Thurston, our new Secretary of State. I interviewed him shortly after he won his position and he said, you know, we've got to go back and look at our process. We've got some issues that we're going to have to fix. And he was talking about the bad, the horrible rating that our election system has because there's not enough ways to audit and uh, prevent fraud. Okay, so let me have you hold your thought. Mm -hmm. We'll come back after the news We've already run through a half hour. Goes quick. Stick around. We got more for you when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. Dave Ellswick Show. Power panel's here. Let me remind you who's here. Artie is here. Paul is here. Yes, sir. And Jan is here. Here. Now, Present. We've had a little bit of problem with the Mevo today. That is the Facebook. We're getting that fixed. I think we were trying. They were trying to hack us again last night. We get notified when anybody tries to do that, and then we have to reset our uh, password. Mm. And I believe that Elizabeth had to reset the password. And I think, and uh, Russ is calling her. Uh, he that needs the new password so we can get in and and get us back on. Uh, so can Facebook we come up with some creative going? Can we come up with some creative penalties for people that do that sort of thing? Yeah, shot to the head. <laughs> well, that's as creative as I, I want to be. <laughs> All right. Well, All I, right. I think the recidivism rate would be zero. That's exactly right. It would be. R.D., it's good to have you here. Let's talk about Sonny real quick. You do a lot of. Were you Were you on the computer today buying cars? No, I'll be tomorrow. Usually Mondays and Wednesdays I'm on the computer reviewing, you know, thousands of cars, trying to pick out the ones that uh, we need in Arkansas the most. Is it is it like a website like we see that one where you buy your, you know, your car from uh, a dealer somewhere in the area and you're looking for the best price and all of that? Do you, do you have that kind of a site that you go to? Well, there are auctions that have contracts with insurance with all the major insurance companies. Uh-huh. So we literally have thousands of cars of total lost cars a day to choose from. But I've got a electronic equipment that scans all the auctions and ranks them from the most popular to the least popular, and uh, rank them by mileage and age. So we look for the newest ones and the lowest mileage ones and the ones that that are needed in our area. And um, I bid on the ones that are that I have the most life left in them, and that we can check out and uh, and to provide the best parts for our customers. Which are the hardest cars for you to find now? How the hardest old, cars? How old is it? Are they you know over five years old, over ten years old? How uh, old? My favorite cars are four to seven years old. Okay, four to seven years old and uh, trucks. I we do probably we do a lot of Camrys and Toyotas and Nissan Altimas, but uh, we're probably seventy five percent trucks and vans at Sunny's Auto. So so we have a larger supply for for truck and van parts as anybody in in the, the state of Arkansas. Okay, so you can probably find a, a motor. Or a transmission, or a rear differential, or axle, or whatever you need, just by giving you all a call. And uh, if you don't have it, you, you're you're 
in contact with thousands of other you know folks just like yourself yeah nationwide in uh the same one year two year three year warranty and our one year parts and labor warranty is available on all parts we sell whether if it came from our warehouse or we pick it up for another warehouse and we've got trucks that go around all over five states uh every day picking up parts in, in uh five states and we ship from all over the country and we ship out we were shipping out four or five motors today out wow. of late model wreck car so uh motors transmissions and rear ends and offer a full three-year unlimited mileage warranty on every part we sell all right with that all said what's the number to call uh 501-982-7451 501-982-7451 or call us on our toll-free line at 1-800-482-9985 all right sunny's auto salvage they're your number one reusable parts department yeah barely tested auto parts yeah i love it <laughs> i love it i've got a, i got two motors and a transmission and a rear tail light that's what i've got and i'm i'm going to get a rear uh what is it a rear uh rear wiper wiper arm, arm. wiper arm wiper, and, you know and an antenna for your satellite we got, yeah system. we already got that it's on there <laughs> i can actually listen to radio again i didn't realize your regular radio came through that i thought that was all phone it's radio as well i didn't know that so we have no every idea. part on a car when we buy it that's it it's cool very cool and it saves you a lot of money i bet you my working through sunnies with all the different things that i've done to my two cars well over ten thousand dollars you saved me it's amazing it really really is okay so let's go back and talk more here about venezuelan and um, the u.s embassy warning their people about it's what's going on in venezuela the u.n ambassador uh, for Venezuela has called for the people to, uh, you know, rise up and, wow. and throw out Maduro. Wow. He's called on the military. It's to a miracle rise he's up. still alive. Now, he, you that, know and that's the key. See, a lot of people thought a coup was underway today when they saw what was going down, and it's mm-hmm. not yet. That's not occurred. A coup is when the military turns against the, the you know, the leader. And overthrows the leader. Well, but there that have been several members yet. of the military, though, who have left and moved over to his side. Well, that's good, but so, they haven't brought enough military members with well, them. As in arms. Yeah. The United Nations needs to send them a, a trainload of AK-47s and a trainload of ammunition behind I don't think that's, that's going to happen. I don't envy the, the position that President troops. Trump is in right now. You know, they were also talking about that today on on the news. Yeah, you know, what what's we, the president going to do? do? Yeah. What are we going to do? Are we going to get involved? Are we going to? I mean, other than saying that we we recognize uh, that this new guy is the duly elected president of Venezuela, uh, but China and Russia, they're not so. Uh, game to be on board. Well, what do we have the United Nations for, if not? To, uh, to suck it. up American money. Uh, uh, that's right. I mean, do, do we give them all this money and, and give them our troops for nothing at all? I is mean, for if they're going to make a statement that this person is is recognized as a tyrant and a murderer and well, we someone that oppresses out, we people. We should have pulled out of the United Nations years and years ago. That's exactly right. I don't know what they do for us. 
except sit around and try to figure out how to take more of our freedom away from us and mm-hmm. take more of our guns away from us. And right. that's the sad thing is they want to is the United Nations ideal is a, a unified world with one law and one order for everybody. And you I know, can tell you what, that's not happening. Speaking of U.N. and uh the Second Amendment. President Trump did announce that we have completely pulled out of the U.N. Small Arms Treaty, which we never should have sat at the table to begin with. You know, President Bush said, no, not only are we not going to negotiate with you on the rights of the people, we're not even going to sit down at the table. We're not going to sign it. We're not going to even sit down at the table and discuss this because the sovereignty of the United States and our people is not up for United Nations control. Yeah, you don't Uh, grant us the Second Amendment. And the only reason, think about this, because Hillary and John Kerry went to make sure that we participated in the Small Arms Treaty. But if it wasn't for our Republicans in our legislature, because it had to have a majority of their approval, um, that would have been ratified. That's right. If they had their way, they'd control the education system and they would teach their version of history to Globalism. our children also. And, and I, I tell you what, the Bushes were a little bit too global for me. Absolutely. The Bushes were no, too global for bit. me. A whole no, a whole lot. lot. And yeah. uh, Ted Cruz did have – in Texas, Ted Cruz in the state of Texas had to go against the federal government to prosecute mm-hmm. a murder in Texas because he was not an American citizen mm-hmm. in the United Nations in the federal government would not allow texas to prosecute him so texas had to take and uh ted had to take on the united states this person had killed a little girl in the state of texas right and they wanted to extradite him to his country and texas said sorry charlie he's not going anywhere i think we're going to see a lot more <laughs> of state governors standing up and bowing up and being the line of defense between the strong abusive arm of the federal government we're seeing that more and more now you know we've got the firearms freedom act where a number of states have stepped up and said okay our citizens of our state are not subject to your federal firearms laws, and especially with this medical marijuana thing, which we need to get into the, talking about that, too, uh, where the, the state government says, if you come in, if you send federal agents into our state and you try to enforce federal firearms laws on the citizens of our state, not only are we going to not allow that to happen, we're going to arrest your agents. And I think we're going to see that not just on Second Amendment issues, but on a variety of issues. You're going to see more states standing up for states' rights. Well, and I think the one of the Tenth things, Amendment, and one of the, right. one of the things that I think makes us more um, likely to do that is if we get off the welfare dole. Arkansas, see, that's the point. See, Arkansas that's the is point. one of the one, one of the problems with Arkansas is that we take so much money from the federal government, and, and there's so many different areas where we do it, and it's basically with the with the state passing laws um, that violate our rights in exchange for getting free money from the federal government. We're a debtor state. We are. We you are. cannot have freedom without having financial freedom. I forget exactly what the number is, but 65 per 70 percent of the budget of Arkansas comes from the federal government. It's probably more than that. So if 65 to 70 percent that makes you a slave to the federal of government. your budget comes from the federal government, mm-hmm. you are subject to the federal government. And we have to cut that back. And yeah, I do not see the leadership trimming back our dependency on the federal government so we can have the freedom to tell them to take a hike. Once again, that's why we need to elect constitution-abiding legislators, governors, state representatives, uh, because 
If we don't, and if we continue to be this dependent on the federal government, then the federal government controls you. And any time the federal government, when you've got your hand out and say yes, 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 which is why we never should have supported Medicaid expansion. Republicans should have never voted for that. It's free money, uh, though. Because it was free money, all this money. And then all of a sudden, the, the government starts yanking the carpet out from under you. The feds do and say, okay, now you have to pay the difference. Nothing, and we can't afford it. Nothing is ever free. Any money, every no. dollar you get from the federal government from has somewhere. strings attached. Well, and and under- why do we send our money to Washington to get money back to, to use in our, well, in our state? In Arkansas, we get more than we send. Well, I and know. So, I, you're right. I said I'm, we're a debtor state. We are. We are a debtor state. Well, people we're, understand we're, we're that on the, on, the, on the grounds of, of, of gasoline and oil. They look at they say, we need to be less dependent on foreign countries who don't like us. For oil, we need to be do, you know taking care of our own oil. We've got the we've got what we need here. We just need to drill. Well, the same concept should go for toward our own federal government. We should be less dependent on our federal government. Why? Because the federal government is not there to serve the people. The federal government is there to take what it can get from the people. It would be not, it would we be nice if we, had, if we had lawmakers and a governor that actually had some um, some um, some honor to them that would say, you know what. You know, maybe we could get some of this free money from the federal government, but it's not right, so we won't do it. Well, right. you know, what you, you have, you have well, I mean, politicians making that financial ain't decisions happen anytime of making soon, it. Let me tell you. Well, it would have if Jan Morgan had been elected. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest. I can hear it already. If somebody mounts a campaign that I'm going to cut federal dollars into our state, there will be a hue and cry. That you've never heard before. Well, because once you give people something, you give them a, an you entitlement, can't, can't it's take hard it to take it back. And I can tell you uh, on the campaign trail, even at Republican events, the number of people everywhere you go that say, well, now you're not going to take away our Obamacare, are you? You're not going to touch Arkansas Works, are you? Because they don't get – the only way we can fix our government problems is it. to educate the people <laughs> about what liberty truly means. They just don't get it. Federal money is enslavement money. It's enslavement to the so state. So it's state money. So and any state kind money. of entitlement. So you know, I have someone that was working for me in a, in a part time job, and so I bring them in and say, "Hey, you know, I'm thinking about you know moving you into a full time position." Mm-hmm. And there'll be a little raise involved in it, and then uh, you'll get more hours. And they said, "No, no, we can't, we can't do that." So what problem people have is at say ten dollars to eleven dollars an hour, then you get your hundred and thirty-eight percent below poverty level, mm-hmm. and so you get all these subsidies for your health care and everything else. But you have to jump up to fifteen or sixteen dollars an hour to overcome what you miss and that's a gap that people can't jump so if you're working at mcdonald's and you've got all these subsidies you can't take a job that's two dollars an hour more with more hours because if you do it'll cost you twice as much as what you gain so we are enslaving people in the position that they're in putting them in a position where they can't climb the ladder because the ladder has all the middle uh steps missing out of it all right we got to take a break we'll come back and uh Russ, I'm going to keep my eye on the TV in here. The president's supposed to talk about Venezuela here in just a few minutes. When he does, I'll wave at you, and we can pick it up right here off of the television. we got more to talk about, a lot more, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, seven minutes remaining here. Let me read uh, from this article some more. Quote, as the unrest in Venezuela approached a breaking point, citizens are telling 
media people that they wish they had guns available to them to fight back against the Maduro regime. It was never easy to obtain a handgun permit in Venezuela, but at least before 2012, it was possible, said an expatriate. Since uh, Venezuelans are unarmed, we now depend on a military uprising for our freedom rather than a popular uprising. Under the June 2012 law, only the military police forces and some security contractors could purchase firearms from a state-owned weapons manufacturer. Hugo Chavez, the Venezuelan leader at the time, claimed the law would curb the country's high rate of violent crime and said the ultimate goal was to disarm all private citizens. Thomas Jefferson was a little bit smarter than they thought it was. Have those people down there ever heard of taxation without representation? And Mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson said the Second (laughs) Amendment was for the case a tyrannical government tried to oppress the people. Washington said that firearms were the dragon's teeth of the people. I think that he was might, might have been. Said yeah, that. The, but, the thing is, see, the Democrats use the same thing here, and Republicans do as well. They, they'll, they'll they'll talk about crime being the issue or the excuse to take away guns from people or to to highly regulate gun ownership. But the, the reality is, the bigger issue is is the danger of government power. Yes, murder rates will will fluctuate here and there, but you know, in the in the last century, it wasn't individuals murdering each other that that was the big issue. It was governments killing. Hordes and hordes, mass numbers of people, of people right? Right. I, I, who, who dared to challenge the government? Yeah. yeah, yeah, or didn't challenge the government? They just had a pulse, right? Well, I tell you what, like, I'm trying to think of the preacher's name, and in, uh, in Germany, said, you know, they come and Bonhoeffer. got Bonhoeffer. You know, they come and got the socialist. And, yeah, they Bonhoeffer. They come and got the socialist, and uh, and. Uh, I wasn't a socialist, you know. They, they came, came and got the gypsy. Yeah, they came and, and got I the wasn't gypsy. A gypsy. I wasn't a gypsy, but, you know, when they got down, he was a Jew. So when they got to the Jews, there wasn't anybody to stand beside no, him. No, actually, he was, he was, Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer was, was a, a Protestant. Yeah, he was a Lutheran. He said that uh, they came and got the Jew, and I didn't say anything. Right. And he said when they came to give to get me, there was no one Left. to save me. That's exactly right. So we have to stand up for each other's individual pre- freedom because if we allow them to take one person's freedom away from them, then we'll be next in line. That's why we have to also pay attention, and, and we have to care about what's happening in other states, not just our own state. And that's why so many people from other states contributed to my campaign when I was running for governor, because it's like, you know, it, it, we we have to watch every state. We should be concerned about what's happening in California. We should be concerned about what's happening in New York and Massachusetts and places where people are having their rights just completely eliminated, not just the Second Amendment, but all of their rights. I mean, in New York, it's gotten down to what you can drink and how big a cup you can use and in california it's about you know you can't use these kinds of straws it's 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 absurd yeah, i think it was in, in new york they literally tried to make it illegal to to, to what buy a 20 ounce soft drink mm-hmm. was, that, was that what they tried to do they actually tried to do it and i think the court struck them down but they actually had they actually tried that's absurd that's how dumb these people are why don't they regulate them and see how many you can buy a month you know is that what they're going to do next yeah uh, <laughs> they outlawed high capacity soft drinks i mean or tried to i mean what is the deal here that's that's how bad these people are and i think we need to recognize that these are human rights violations these are not simply well these are these are annoying regulations no they're human rights violations that's what we need to call them because the fact is these laws are backed up by by violence if you violate these these stupid 
stupid codes, these stupid city ordinances that they put in place, they will kill you if you don't submit. So do you know what the, the enemies of liberty, do you know what their number one tool is? Does any, does anybody here know? Force? No. Complacent. The dumbing down. Complacent. The sure. dumbing down yeah. of America. Because yeah, if you can edu- dumb education. down the people and, and get them at an early age, if you can dumb down the people, then they are not smart enough to remember when you, or to when learn you, about history and to understand immerse, the implications of big government. When you immerse a child government. at three or four years old, you start start immersing a child in the socialist system and get them accustomed to, to government searches. And when you start and, doping children as two-year-olds well, and three-year-olds, that, that's, and for, and that's instead of dealing with too. behavioral issues by with, with disciplinary with action, parents. by actual drugging them, which is – that is appalling to me. I'm sorry. I – a two-year-old. What does a two-year-old know about depression? Why? Why would a two-year-old be depressed? But you know how many? It's a. It's a. It's a huge percentage of two and three-year-olds who are now on antidepressants oh, wow. and on mind-controlling, on psychotropic drugs. Oh, wow. that, to me, that is child abuse. I'm sorry. All these parents are going to get mad at me. Who got their t- killed children on drugs? But you know, my dad the, never asked me if I was depressed. I don't remember <laughs> that being in one of the questions, or I don't ever remember my dad asked me how I felt about mowing the yard. I just don't remember that subject. Ever coming well, up. I mean, well, it's, it's one of those things that you, you don't right. have the same I want to go to the White House, and uh, President is heading the finish line in the Ford Fusion. Go. You like the car? I love that. You better say that. <laughs> you better say that. Parked right here on the White House South Drive, and that is one truly beautiful car. That is technologically something, Roger, I guess very special, right? Went a little faster than the other ones, but it also had to do with your right foot, I think. (laughs) We're delighted to be joined by some tremendous people who are doing a great job for our nation. Secretary Alex Acosta. Alex, thank you very much. Labor. Secretary Elaine Chow. Elaine, thank you. Transportation. And many of the great members of Congress, Representative Jim Banks. Where's Jim? Hi, Jim. Tim Burchett. Tim, where are you, Tim? Thank you very much. Very good. So we had anticipated the president might mention Venezuela off the top here. He did not. Uh, should... All right. We're going to uh, hold it right now until we can see a time that we can uh, go back to the president. They're expecting him to make some comments today about Venezuela when it looks like it's going to happen. Uh, we'll try to get the president up on the air for you. So while we wait for that, we'll go to the news, and then we'll get ready to come back. Power panel in. When we come back, Antifa. Big story about Antifa today, and we'll talk about it here. All right, president not saying anything about Venezuela, so it looks like to me we'll just have to wait until he's ready to talk about it. Uh, John Bolton has uh, mentioned that it's going to that they're deciding what the United States is going to do. I just heard Rick Scott, who's now Senator Scott from Florida, talking about what our response should be, and uh, I agree that if Maduro's killing kids, which it looks like he's doing, we're going to have to do something. I don't think that we want to send troops in. But I think that we can send arms and ammunition to them and let the, the people have uh, at least 
equal footing against the military. I think there needs to be a case made that if it's if we're if we're going to get involved, it needs to be something that actually is is uh, for for protecting Americans, not just because it's a it's a, a charity mission. That's not what the U.S. government. But is here's supposed the to thing: Bol- Bolton made a, a a real good example, and so did Scott. That we got Syria over in the Middle East because we wouldn't get involved. Okay, we didn't get involved, and now you got the Soviet Union sitting over there, and you got you got all that going on. You got Cuba right now, just off the coast, and we just got rid of the Castros. Now we don't want to let somebody else. You know, we got a, a duly elected official there. It's going to take a couple of elections, I think, for them to get somebody who's freedom minded. But here in Venezuela, you don't want Venezuela to be Syria. And they'll be that close to the United States, right? And I, I think that that might be the approach that 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 should be taken. And but, but I don't I, I don't think we should just simply get involved because well it seems like it seems like the right thing to do. There needs to be a a valid. Um, well, people reason. have to want it. I mean, the people, any country or any people, and. Well, they seem like to want it. They're out there like throwing Poland, rocks yeah. at, the, at the military, for God's sake. That's exactly what the – but do they want an opportunity or do they want a handout? Yeah, I think you, they you just want to, an opportunity. I mean, if you look at some of the places that we've taken over is, is a, you know, it's a permanent, you know, a, a permanent outpatient program to where we have to subsidize the country constantly and they don't stand on their own two feet. Now, the only person – that supports the only two countries that support Maduro is China and Russia. Everybody, everybody else is supplying this secondary guy, Gildro or whatever his name is, uh, that's that's uh, outside the country and is uh, looking to take over the country. You know, they say that he won the election. But Maduro refused to step down. Well, that's because it was election fraud. It yeah, was not. Oh, a, it yeah. was not. It was not a proper election. Number one, and uh, the reason China and Russia are supporting uh, Maduro is because Maduro is a tyrant, and tyrants like to support other tyrants. Well, they and, want they want a presence in our hemisphere. But you I mean, know, it we talk, makes sense. We talk about Khrushchev tried this one time. We talk about learning from history, though, Dave. And if we look at Afghanistan and other places that we have supported and other people we supported in the past, just because someone has a common enemy than that we do, doesn't necessarily make them our friends. True. It does why they're trying to replace a common enemy. <laughs> Okay, sure. so, so but here's the arms what, that you give them sometimes. Let me, from take, this, you back. Let let me, me take you back to let World me War II, all right? World okay. War II. We didn't like the communists, all right? That's we didn't exactly like them, right. but we, we needed another it. front. We got yeah. another front, and we won the war. That's I mean. exactly well, okay, right. Okay, but let me, can I interrupt? For yeah. well, people who are just now joining us, who were not here when we first started the program today at 2 o'clock, this is what we need to learn from what's happening in Venezuela. We need to learn, the people of America need to learn that this is what happens when you disarm guns. the population. In every single instance around the world where tyranny is the result, it all began with gun registration, then gun confiscation, then mass annihilation. The people of Venezuela right now 
are throwing rocks because that's all they have because several years ago they gave up their gun rights. Yeah, so, if, so when organizations, that Michael Bloomberg's organizations like Moms Demand Action and Every Town for Gun Safety talk about common sense gun control, folks, there's nothing common sense about what they're wanting to do. They're wanting to eliminate your gun rights, and that is the first step to tyranny, and that is why when we elect Republicans, we need to make sure that Republicans adhere to the Republican Party platform, which very definitely supports the Second Amendment. And that is not a regulated or restricted Second Amendment. It is a right, not a privilege, not to be infringed. Yeah, I got to tell you, the redcoats that come down there, we had to throw some redcoats out of the the country to become a country, right? And uh, the mothers against guns that show up down at the Capitol, they're they're red with the blood of innocent Americans that will happen if they ever do confiscate the guns. Well, and the thing is that we've we've already seen government tyranny all over the place here, even in this country to some extent. And we've got lots of government bodies that are that are oppressing people. I mean, for crying out loud, you can't, I keep going back to this, you can't even cut hair without a license. Government will come along and use violence to stop you. That is oppression. It's not the same as what people think about when we think about a general oppression, but it is. It really is. Which is why, once again, we need to look at what does the Republican Party say? And what the Republican Party platform says is that this is why we need to support Republicans. True Republicans. The Republican Party platform is about limited government, limiting the size and scope of government. How do you know that government grows when government increases spending? Less government is better government, and the government that governs the least governs best. And that's why we need to carefully vet people who are asking to represent us as Republicans, whether it's in your city government, your county government, your state government, or in your national government. Yeah, Jefferson made it very clear, as government grows, freedom Diminishes. That's right. He also said one other quick thing, and that is, is any government that is the size to give you everything you want is the right size to take everything that you have. Yeah, he's so, the one who said that so, initially. So if uh, if the government is the source of all our solutions and we grow it to the size so they solve all of society's problems, then they're going to have to take everything that we have to do and, it with, and, and we will not have any freedom left. And, and it kind of, kind of comes down to what Jan was talking about earlier in the show is it's a matter of slavery. The yes. government is enslaving us. When, when, when we have to go and ask permission. And we're allowing them We to. are. And, and we're, we're afraid not to. When the government comes along and tells us, you know, you have to get permission to do this, that, or the other, good and moral things we're asking, having to ask permission from the government to do, that makes us slaves. It doesn't make yes, us free does. people. And, and here's the other thing. If you don't get anything else out of what we're talking about today than this, and as you watch this, the poor citizens of Venezuela simply throwing rocks at their military because that's all they have. Remember when anti-gun organizations talk about, well, why do you need an AR-15? Why do you need military-grade weapons? Well, that's why, <laughs> because the reason we, we have a Second rocks. Amendment is not about hunting. It's not about self-defense. It's about keeping tyranny at bay. Okay, so i got to ask you a question, Jen. Yes. I heard, now, the AR-15, the one that most people are uh, familiar with, what, it uses 223? 223 or 5.56. Okay, so. If you have an AR-15 like mine, it has a NATO barrel that uses both. Have you seen the new one? 
The 308? Oh, yes. I want oh, yeah. one. A 308. I want yes. a 308. Yeah, everybody should have at least let's, one let's, of those. Let's play. Yeah, you let's need play. a 308. We're going to play. But, let's play. You know, one let's more thing. I just wanted to say this. One more thing. <laughs> this is something you need to think about, too. And you need to, when you have friends who say they're anti-Second Amendment or anti-gun, or, well, they want regulated or restricted guns, here's what you need to say. There are only two groups of people who are uncomfortable. Think about this. Only two groups of people who are uncomfortable with the exercise of your rights. Tyrants and slaves take a minute and classify yourself where do you fit in there you go you got but, but, you got to make but, up but, your mind but 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 what you but, sound yeah, like a no, boat tied that's, up that, to the that, dock. That, that's what i'm that's a, the point is that that's, that's <laughs> we call those butters people who say i, I support the second amendment but, but. yeah yeah Yes. Yeah, but read First Samuel about what God told him a king would do when Israel asked for a oh, king. Yeah. Just go back to First Samuel and read it, mm-hmm. and it's a little scary. Do Do we want liberty, <laughs> or do we want to be slaves? Uh, and the fact is, so many of us have have decided that we want slaves. We we want to be slaves. We don't we don't want slaves. We we want to be slaves because it's 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 more comfortable. They don't see it that way. I'm just saying they, they don't see they it. They do way. not see it that way. I, I talk I, to people. Who have given up their rights and have they're willing ex- to give up more rights. Here's something we need to talk talking about giving up your rights. The medical marijuana issue, you know, that thing that the voters of Arkansas said they wanted. Understand that the thousands upon thousands of people in the state of Arkansas who are getting a medical marijuana prescription, according to ATF, and I call them myself and talk to them because I'm a federal firearms licensee. If you have a prescription for medical marijuana, you not only lose your right to a concealed handgun permit, you also lose your right to possess a firearm and ammunition. So, I mean, that's that's according to ATF. And I just got my paperwork from Arkansas State Police this week, and I called them to verify this. What about people who have concealed handgun licenses? If you have a concealed handgun license and then you turn around and you get a medical marijuana prescription, how is that going to affect your license? Yes, they're going to revoke the licenses of people with medical marijuana prescriptions. And I said, how are you going to enforce that? Or do you have a list of people who are, have prescriptions? Because, right. after all, that's a medical thing. Aren't medical records supposed to be private, according to HIPAA? And they said, well, we don't have a list yet. 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 So it's going to be interesting to see how they enforce that. And if you do have, and it is now in the paperwork, when you apply for a license or when you apply for a renewal of your license, the medical marijuana question is there. If you lie, if you are not honest about whether or not you are a prescription medical marijuana recipient, that's actually a crime, according to Arkansas State Police. Right. And, so, and, yeah. if, and if regular people tell tell lies and stuff like that, we get in trouble. Serious trouble. Yeah. yeah. Politicians, go, go, can, government, lie. Go, government Politicians can lie. Go, government officials can't. Can. You lie and you're in serious trouble. You can't say, oh, well, I because I didn't read that question right. So. All right. Got to get our first break in for the 3 o'clock hour. When we come back, famous name. All of us have heard it. The courageous and heroic people said presidential candidate Biden, and so did Kumo from New York, governor of New York, that these people are the good side. Let's talk about Antifa, not such a good organization. All right, back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show. Power panel's here. Artie is here. Jan is here. Paul is here. I'm here. We're going to talk about Antifa in just a moment, but first I'm going to tell you about PI Roofing Home Solutions. And that they bought Tommy's gutter cleaning services. So uh, they don't just fix roofs anymore. They don't just fix the inside of your home because of a leak from your roof anymore. They also will even clean out your gutters. 
and uh, keeping your gutters clean is an important thing to do if you own a home. You don't want uh, that water uh, eroding around your foundation, nor do you want that, you know, forming an ice dam during the the winter time, and then as it tears up the shingles as it moves back up the top to the, towards the top of the the house probably won't get to the top of the house but as it's moving back and doing damage then when it starts to thaw the water gets in your house you don't want that to happen either so pi roofing is ready to take care of you pi roofing home solutions just go to piroofing.com that's piroofing.com all right, story today. This is going to end up on national news, I think. I'm not always sure because they sometimes don't report all the news that's fit to be reported. Uh, the FBI investigating anti-fascist activists. Now, here here's a funny thing about Antifa. When I watch Antifa, I don't see anti-fascists. I see fascists. I see brown shirts. That's what I see. I see, you know, Nazis. Uh, but all the other people, and it's a typical way that the left does things, uh, they have changed what words mean again because they're like in 1984 or something. They've taken Antifa and let Antifa say they're going out against the fascists when, in fact, they are the fascists. They are the fascists, all right. Right. Or okay, but they have been uh, now being investigated by the FBI for an alleged plot to buy guns from a Mexican cartel in order to, and I'm going to quote this, this is from the FBI, stage an armed rebellion, unquote, quote, at the southern border. That's according to an unclassified document that was obtained by the Chicago Tribune. The FBI document from December of last year warns of militant Antifa activists planning to, quote, disrupt security operations at the U.S.-Mexico border. The group allegedly planned to buy guns from a Mexican cartel associate in order to stage an armed rebellion at the border. The source who provided it to the San Diego Tribune, the Chicago Tribune, San Diego Tribune now, that's two big newspapers. Haven't seen this on ABC, NBC, CBS, or uh, CNN, or any of the rest. Asked the outlet not to publish the six-page document because the investigation is ongoing. The outlet cited two additional law enforcement officials who confirmed the news. The FBI has warned dozens of law enforcement agencies in both Mexico and the United States of the alleged plot. But no words going out from the national media. Or well, are we really surprised there, though? Because the national media look at look at the terrorist attack. Look at the that was thwarted by the FBI. Uh, the guy Domingo, he was in what California, I believe, and he was going to uh, he purchased the the components for bomb, and he bought the bomb from the FBI. He yeah. thought it was an actual bomb. It was But, inert but did you see how the media labeled him? If you looked at every media outlet, what did they say? Uh, U.S. Army veteran, you know, plots to to Former murder mass special number yeah, forces, special forces. But what they didn't say in the headlines is uh recent islamic convert yeah they, they leave that part out and, and 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 it's interesting they leave that part out since that is exactly the motive he said he wanted to, to commit jihad he wanted to initiate jihad well as far mm-hmm. as i know that is an islamic term so you know the media is is just i i don't know how much more credibility they could possibly lose and just no longer even be 
taken seriously at all on anything they do. Even wow. Fox, even Fox News, the, the, their their headline was U.S. Army veteran, and I said, "Come on, Fox, come on, give me a break. Why don't yeah. you call him what he really is? He's a jihadist. That's he what, is. He, what he is. Wow. And they were just, I think, they believe hours away from him starting his first part of his jihad because he said that what America needs is more Las Vegases. Right. Mm-hmm. Think about that for a moment. Yeah, he, could, well, he considered Las Vegas a jihad. Does he know something about the Las, Las Vegas, Vegas that incident? We don't, that we well, there's don't. a lot that we don't know about Las Vegas. That whole deal, that whole deal is still ridiculous. And the fact that the mainstream media has just let that go, <laughs> and and it, they're not investigating. What happened to the good old investigative journalists we used to have back in the old days when you and I we're were both journalists? Here. Yeah, we're both sitting here. The last two, <laughs> unfortunately, the I've last got, you know, dinosaurs got to right do, here. But uh, yeah. But what happened to investigative journalism? It just doesn't exist anymore. You just don't I tell see you what, it. the truth about Antifa, you don't have to research them very much to see that there's violence to find oh, the violence exactly. that they are responsible for. They're you fascists. Can make a, they don't believe in free speech at all. No. Right. The only speech that's okay is the speech is they agree with you. Right. For Which is The far people left. like that are exactly right. So you have the freedom of speech as long as you agree with what we support. Mm-hmm. And when you don't, then we're going to enact violence to shut you up right and there's yeah. a lot of you who are college students that you think antifa's cool you know they're not cool at all i'm just telling you be very very careful it's just like the people who were part of the anti-war movement back in the 60s and then got involved with the weathermen mm-hmm. weathermen were in, involved with overthrowing our government i mean we weren't all just real happy whenever Barack Obama was elected president and when he uh, did his second term. But you didn't see us all trying to block set everybody's freedom of speech or break windows or setting building on fire. You know, uh, we commit we violent ha- acts against people. That's right. We, we had we our, respect our the position. respectful protest rallies. Now here's that's the, exactly now here's the right. key. I want you to, to know this is that. The people on the left, and I'm I'm throwing Biden in there. I'm throwing Kumo and AOC and what's his name, uh, the guy from Texas mm-hmm. that's down there right now. Uh, all of these guys see Antifa as heroic. I mean, Biden said about Charlottesville just on Monday. He said that you know you had all the white supremacists there, and then on the other side, I'll quote. A courageous group of Americans. Amazing. The people that were on the other side was Antifa. That were the people that were invoking the violence. Yeah. And they and I believe it. Yes, they and were. I believe that the the people that were there that were the far right activists that I, I don't agree with, of course. I believe that all men are created equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had a right to be there and voice their opinion, and I believe they had a license and they had permission to be there that for day. their for their for, for, protest. for the rally yes. for their rally. So if people are doing things in a in a legal way, then they have the right to voice their opinion if they agree with us or not. And I don't agree with them. During the inauguration, there was only one permit, one, that actually was licensed to an organization for a pro-Trump rally. All the rest, and I think there were over 200 permits issued for rallies. along the yeah, 20, it, They were all anti-Trump. And yet, where did Antifa show up? To our rally. To stand there with their megaphones, to stand there and disrupt. Yet they had all the other places. They were worried about coming to hours and disrupting hours. All right. We've got to get to the news. We'll come back. I want to talk more about Antifa. They're a dangerous, dangerous group. 
All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Remind you that uh, it was Joe Biden who told you to go out and buy a shotgun. You remember that? <laughs> yes. Was he the one that also told you to fire shoot? a few rounds in the air? Yeah. He said, yeah. fire a few rounds in the air. Yeah, but you don't need an AR-15. He said. Look, is there anything more scary than 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 a Democrat uh, winning any election? Now, I, I just can't believe that Americans who are Democrats would still look at that party with a straight face. If you are a Democrat of years ago, it's time for you to to move on to the Republican Party because the Democrat Party has left you. They're not the Democrat Party of you know thirty, forty years ago. Well, so the Republican well Party is not even no, it's as, not. as conservative as the Democrat Party <laughs> no, from thirty not. or forty years ago. If John F. Kennedy many cases. was alive today, he would be a Republican. No, oh, yeah. Well, actually, the Republican no Party might think he's a radical. Well, the the no, not the Republican Party at large. The counterfeits within the Republican Party would think that our founding fathers were radicals. Oh, sure. They they would probably have them arrested. Right, because gonna, those are uh, those are the butters. I think we I believe in the Second Amendment. But ninety percent of Americans would think the founding fathers were radical. Only ninety percent. Yeah, ninety <laughs> percent. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot over the past couple of hours about smaller government and the importance of smaller government, and and we need to remember that when we go to the polls and vote, because we're going to be faced with a four hundred and what eighteen million dollar gas tax hike, uh, and that is going to create. An even larger tax burden on the backs of the people of the cons- state than we. But that's that's a conservative tax increase, right? Yeah, but <laughs> Republicans allow it to happen. Yeah. We shouldn't have. I just want you guys to get ready because, you know, Pelosi and Schumer were at the White House talking about infrastructure, infrastructure today. Yes. Oh, part, that's scary. And I'm just telling you, two trillion dollars. What they're talking about, and they're talking about raising the federal gas tax a quarter. Which, oh, yeah, wow. add that to our state gas tax hike. Nobody's going to be able to afford gas. And remember this, folks. People say, well, it's just a half cent here and a quarter of a cent there or whatever. When you count but it to adds a bill, up. Yeah, when and you count everything to a bill, that you utilizes fuel to get to you, like your groceries, everything's going to go up. If it costs people more to transport things for us. That happened just a few years ago. Do you remember yes, when gas, is, the gas uh, spiked and so many different people mm-hmm. added a gas addition to yeah, their product. Absolutely, fuel you have surcharges. to. No, yeah, they're not going to. They're not going to absorb that, that loss. That was the real name. No companies are going to absorb those losses. The people are going to pay well, for it. But but the people of Arkansas need to pay close attention because millions of dollars are going to be spent on commercials that are going to make this gas tax look like it's going to bring jobs to Arkansas. It's going to better highways mean more companies are going to be lured to our state. Well, I tell you what. More companies are going to look at the fact that our Kansans are bailing from the state because the tax burden is ridiculous. We're, what, second or third in the nation for the highest tax burden, well, and the thing is, overall so, tax burden on the people. We have got to fix this. And it's not just the tax burden that bothers me. It's it's the fact that government is taking more and more uh, of a share of our lives. It, it's taking more and more it, – it, they, they're gaining more and more power. Every nickel you give to the government is more power that they have. And that's 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 what concerns me more than the fact that's taking my money. Well, I here's don't what like I want the, the fact Republic- taking my money. I want people to know that the Republican Party as a whole is not responsible for this gas tax hike that is coming our way. There were three other bills presented by good conservative Republicans that would have funded our state highways in Arkansas that would ha- would not have raised taxes. Three other bills. And we never got a chance to the discuss or debate those. The governor opposed them directly. Well, and, and, yes. And well, the governor opposed the other bills directly and uh, did not 
basically did not give them Julie a chance Mayberry to be had a heard. Great bill. Did, Julie did Mayberry, not give them a Julie chance. Mayberry. Right. She did, never, they never had a chance to discuss they it. They never had it. a chance to discuss, discuss it because more money was going to be the solution because uh, we have to pay more and more of our part of the federal money that comes to Arkansas. Well, I, I we have to do matching funds. So the more federal money you get, the more matching funds you have to raise. I think it was early on in, the, in this governor's um, – tenure that he was telling us that we don't have a spending problem we have a revenue problem so he I said think it's public and, and so it's it's not a secret about his philosophy well no we, we don't we, have a revenue problem we have a spending problem we are exactly outspending right. other governments of comparable exactly size right. but by a wide margin you're exactly right but this is this is the philosophy of the current governor that we have is he, he apparently believes that we need more money or more tax dollars mm-hmm. and we don't need to actually curb spending because spending is not the problem according to him it's we just don't have enough revenue, and so he wants to figure out ways to to um, in- increase revenue for the state. I'm sorry. That sounds like a Democrat. Well, I think that ultimately this state is not going to be fixed until the people rise up, until they can't pay their bills because they're, the tax burden is so heavy and they're regulated to death businesses. I think that until the people are fed up and saying, wait a minute, why is it that I don't have any money left over in my paycheck after I pay all the bills? I'm not doing anything different. I'm not living more extravagantly. Well, the reason is because a little tax increase there, a little tax increase here. I'm really looking forward to the numbers coming out overall of what happened this last legislative session and the number of tax increases because it's not revenue neutral. Overall, we will have finished this session with, what, over 900 new laws. <laughs> and and I guarantee you it's going to be a tax increase. Oh, sure. Overall, yeah, well, tax it's increase. a spending increase. Yeah, here's, here's what's who's what's really sad about all of this is that when it comes to other than the uh, internet tax mm-hmm. uh the one that will be the biggest tax will be passed by the people themselves the people who are deceived themselves. by the way that the the, 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 the gas taxes package because that's supposed to be sunsetting now if you vote in 2023 yeah if you vote for it there is no sunset on it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's there in perpetuity. It goes in the the state constitution the way that I understand That's it. That's right. And, in, and it also gets a perpetuity. raise. It's there it, it gets a raise. So yeah. we're putting things in the constitution now. We're putting taxes in bigger government in the state constitution to make it harder to uh, cut it or harder to get rid of. And as much as the you know the people who. And I'm one of them to think that we changed the Constitution too much, which I believe is true. I mean, we've made 20 changes in the last seven years. It's not, you know, they want to slow it down for the, the people, but the uh, the politicians don't want to slow it down for, it, for themselves. Job security. That half percent is been put there by the House and the Senate, not by anybody else. Well, it will be voted on, and, and we'll have to educate people. Well, we don't have the money to educate people. It's All kinda, the money's on the other side. Well, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to compete with the with the giant road builders that mm-hmm. have huge budget, and it's, it's in their best interest to spend millions of dollars so that they can get billions of dollars for the contract. And I guarantee you, that's who Nancy Pelosi represents. Now, Barack Obama had was going to stimulate the economy in the United States of America by spending all the money just like back in in and uh during the depression we were going to make this country stronger and cut 
the unemployment population by employing everybody on the taxpayers' back. So that's what, when I hear infrastructure, I hear that we are going to build a lot more roads and build a lot more buildings Basically that the no taxpayers have to ut- keep and build up. With no accountability. That's, that's the exactly problem. There's right. no accountability for that number. There's no, okay, you have to build this highway by this time. You have to be accountable for every dime. And if you don't get it done, you know, somebody's going to be fired and you're going to get in trouble. You're, you're not going to get paid or you're only going to get paid this much to do this. You don't have an, a, an open-ended check, you know, a blank check to, to fill out. But, 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 we, where's we have, the, but where's the evidence that we need new roads? You know, there's a few potholes around, but where's the evidence that we need these new roads? I'm seeing these massive new uh, highway projects and they're not building them conservatively they're building them with with fancy designs on them well a corporation has to grow to survive has to grow and the stimulus package was was really started a bunch by barack obama and the all of these construction companies have built an infrastructure that de- that demands the federal money, just like the Ar- state of Arkansas. So once you feed the line and get it going, you have to continue to well, feed I think the that, line. I think that's maybe sort of it. And we're running into the same thing. Every time you know that we have a, a state session, we need more money for the roads and more taxes, and and and, well, and we need to do matching funds from the federal government because we have companies. That, that need to build more roads and more funds. The only problem so, is so, the more you build, the more you have to upkeep. It's so here's a, here's, a, here's a novel idea. Our next session is supposed to be a budget session, right? So instead of having a, you know, we, we were so focused on having a tax reform commission, uh, you know, this group that's going to come up oh, with all yeah. these great did tax reform. What we need is a spending reform commission. I want you to look at all the areas in our state government that we can cut spending and eliminate waste. Where, where is that commission? Yeah, it's unheard of because whenever you cut spending, you cut power. Well, you, because you limit the size of government. But you can, we, we, you see, that's when you can cut taxes. It's it's not rocket science. It's like you look at your own personal budget. Okay, until you cut spending, you you, you can't you cut cannot taxes. lower taxes. You cannot lower exactly. taxes, right? So but, you, but you've we, got to do that. So let's just let's steal some more from the people, and we'll get a bigger credit card, and w- then we'll. We'll cut taxes. We'll Our own lieutenant roads. governor said on Talk Business Politics, uh, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin said, we have hundreds of millions of dollars in waste. He said that. So he knows, and, and our legislators know. So if we have hundreds of millions in waste, we need to go about the process of eliminating that waste. Econo- but all this waste is economic stimulus. I'm being facetious, of course. But the thing is, that's that's how it's looked at by a lot of people is that, well, all this government spending is stimulating the economy. The waste is jobs. Ninety percent of the money is spent on employment and on employing people. They're not going to cut the waste because they're not going to cut any jobs because they'll make somebody they'll make somebody bad. All right, break, and then we'll be back. More of the Dave Ellswick Show with the Power Panel, R.D. and Jan and Paul when we return. All right, we're down to uh, the the last segment for this hour. We got about eleven minutes left. Let me go back and talk about how the left embraces Antifa. Chris Como, who you see on CNN, says that uh, Antifa always embraces a good cause. Now, another person who was on CNN at that time uh, made this statement with Steve Cordy. He made this statement. Antifa does not have good aims. Antifa wants power wants political power taken through force. That's what Antifa is all about. 
and they went through the show, and uh, he, he just kept on talking, uh, Kumo did. He says, uh, he says, it's been one year since Heather Heyer was killed in Charlottesville for standing up to hate, and our thoughts still go to her family. Peppered in the crowd were members of Antifa, or anti-fascist, Kumo continued. If Kumo knew anything, he'd know that what uh, Antifa does is fascist, not anti-fascist. They covered their faces, confronted police, berated journalists, and that was wrong. I think probably he's most upset about berating journalists. Now you've been hearing it. There's a lot of uh, aboutism and spin going on, and it's kind of sickening to me. So let's all agree on some common understandings. Now, this is a typical lefty. Listen to this. A protester uses their voice, songs, slang, slurs. There's a huge range, but it's talk. Let's go back to Charlottesville and remember, Antifa showed up with clubs. Antifa showed up with an old weatherman thing where they drew, uh, they took, uh, you know, uh, penny nails and drove them through golf balls that they could hurl at people. Mm. Uh, but he goes on to say, I argue to you tonight, all punches are not morally equal. In the eyes of the law, yes, Kumo said. In the eyes of the law, yes. But in the eyes of good and evil, here's the argument. If you're a punk that comes to start trouble in a mask and hurt people, you're not about any uh, virtuous cause. You're just somebody who's going to be held to the standard of doing something wrong. But when someone comes to call out bigots and it gets hot, even physical, are they morally wrong as the bigot they are fighting? Yes! They are. There, there, there's no difference between the two. You tell me that Antifa didn't show up at Charlottesburg not wanting to hurt people. They brought fireworks right. with them to shoot at police. Yeah, if you, got, if you got between... <laughs> and bats and get, all kinds yeah, of between them weapons. And, and the all others, kinds of weapons. It didn't matter. You were the enemy at that point. For these people to try to find goodness... In what Antifa does is just ridiculous because he goes on. I'll, let it, I'll read what he said, concluding. That's why people who show up to fight against bigots are not to be judged the same as the bigots, <laughs> even if they do resort to some petty violence. Petty! Pe- he, see, he looks at Antifa and says, well, that's petty violence. Petty they violence. punch people in the face. They hit them with clubs. You know, they hit them with golf balls with 10 pin nails in them. Hey, that's just, uh, that's petty violence. The law will take care of that. How you disagree matters. We should be our best. But I'm arguing that when Trump tried to uh, create a moral equivalency between bigots and those who oppose them, making them equal wrongs. They are equal wrongs, Kumo. That's what you can't get through your your, your He's a communist. Well, He's a communist. He day, doesn't believe in free speech. At, at the end of the day, so you've got people that are that are stupid and they believe stupid things, and you have other people that actually you get participate two, in violence. But you got two sides that believed in equally stupid things. Well, and the thing is, but 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 my point here is that we've got we've got two sides that believe in equally stupid things, but one of them is in, is is willing to engage in violence. 
both sides, the Charlottesville people, the the anti uh, uh, the white supremacists, they were ready to fight they too. They were. They were. They had shields. They had all kinds of stuff. This they is not the first time that Antifa's acted that way. No, it's not. It's not the first time. I mean, back back in uh, uh, Berkeley, California. No, oh my God, that was just over a speaker. Now, That's on, exactly Dave. I right. think you and I have to disagree on something. What's that? I, I won't say that the white supremacists are, are, were prepared to fight. They were prepared to defend themselves. I'm not standing up for white supremacy by any means, mm. but a shield is a defensive mechanism. Well, they had clubs, and, well, too. Cl- well, when I do a speaking engagement, I'm armed. Does that mean I'm there to fight? No, mm. it means I'm carrying a gun for self-defense. I'm, I'm yeah, carrying to defend myself. Yeah, but you don't walk up to the front with the gun in your hand. Well, no. When they mm-hmm. showed up and marched. Well, how are you going to hide marched, a stick and they, a shield they, they to protect yourself? They marched with their clubs. That's right. a different. That's totally. It's no different than when the unions did back in the day as well. I'm just telling you, people, whether they're Antifa or white supremacists, or like the Black Panthers were out, at the polls yes, with their nightsticks, they go out and do their thing, and they're far on the left or far on the right. Here's where both of those sides end up: tyranny. Right, but do, they want to control people. If you know, if you're a speaker at an event and you know, you hear. And it's a commonly known fact that that the opposition is going to show up with weapons to attack and to 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 start violent acts. Are you going to go unarmed? If I go in with my gun, that's and it's concealed or whatever. That's one thing. If I go in and I unconceal it and set it on the podium, I'm looking to incite something at that point. I'm calling them out. I'm I don't throwing, know. I, I opened carry when I spoke at the event in, in Ohio. I opened carried in Ohio when I spoke at the. Uh, it was a Republican National Convention. It was one of the rallies outside of the actual convention center, mm-hmm. uh, and I opened carried. Why? Because open carry is legal in Ohio, uh, but also just because it's easier to access. And when I open carry in Arkansas, it's not because I'm trying to incite but violence. I'm, I'm saying, Jen, it's apples and oranges. If I pull my gun and I sit it on the podium. Well, that's against the law. That's reckless endangerment. When you pull a gun out of a holster, that's that's reckless endangerment. I think it's reckless endangerment if you're out there marching and you got a damn club in your hand. You're saying... We'll beat your ass if you well, if you if you cross us. Maybe they need a holster for their club. <laughs> Put it in a holster. <laughs> so if you see me pull this club out of the holster, that means if people are carrying clubs and carrying bricks and all kinds of things, they're not there in a peaceful state of mind. I'm just telling you. Look, talk. Look at the guy that was in the '60s and know all about that kind of stuff. They were they were going to cause trouble they did it in chicago they did it in all the different areas they showed up and i think some of the evidence here is that that the difference of that is a civil rights march where you had a group of of uh, black people marching in a way that was peaceful Mm -hmm. and they turned the water cannons on them and the racists went crazy, and the and the police let go of the dogs on them. That, well, that's different. Well, I, I think maybe some of what you'll see the, the difference here with Antifa is maybe some of their threats and some of their their they've actually announced some of their intentions in some cases. I think, and so that's that's one of the things. Whereas someone who's who's not making threats, they're simply arming themselves for for defensive purposes. That's a very different thing than 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 making threats. You know, we're going to hurt these people, or we're going to to to. Um, well, what's even more concerning is this this sudden call to jihad against white nationalists, you know, at their rallies. And you're talking about taking bombs and, and to injure hundreds of people, 
hundreds That's what of I'm people. That's I'm saying. No, no it, different. It's it. You're exactly right. So you're you're. I mean, Two so now we can't even have rallies. Right. People are not going to be attending it's, these rallies because they're going to be afraid wrong. it's like a, it's right? like a drawing card for terrorism. I mean, I ta- I called out the the white supremacists in Cabot. We had a terrible group of KKK people in, in Cabot. You know, and on Jefferson's birthday, they're going to burn a cross and stuff. And I talked about it on the air, and I said, I don't want that crap going on. I mean, uh, you no. know, you have the right to do it, but I think you should be thinking about what you're doing, mm-hmm. and we really don't want it in our community. No. And that's when they called me and said, we know where you live, and that's when mm. I said, Are Jan. Are you kidding me? That's when I said on the air, for everybody here in Jan, you're going to hate me for doing this. But anyway, I said, show on up. I'll air out your sheets. <laughs> Why would I hate you for saying that? Well, because I get in trouble well, with lawyers when I say when things. When you say well, things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a difference in self-defense and starting violence, and and that's what you guys are talking about. There's nothing wrong with with self-defense, and if somebody gets a uh, gets a license to show up and make a march and wear their sheets, I don't agree with them either. But it's it's a free country. Well, and I agree. I just said I don't country. want you there. Right. All right, that's all. I didn't. I didn't go out right. and try to stop them. Right. Right. You, you didn't show up a baseball you know, bat. Right. And, and, you know, yours was free speech. You can tell them you don't want them. Yeah, there. And that's, that's all I did. Right. As, as opposed to saying we well, don't I, want you. I just want to turn public opinion against. Well, that, that's Which goes different. back to what you said. Nobody Whether you're up. on the far left or the far right, you end free up. speech. Well, yeah, and that's you different. End up in tyranny. We got to take a break. We'll be back with more. The picture was today. I think it was. I think there was a, a tornado that touched down here in Arkansas. Up in uh, what uh, northwest said, Arkansas. Near Bergman, Arkansas. I, I'm I have no idea what Bergman I don't, is. I don't either. It's a. It was a channel Channel Seven uh, video that one of the viewers sent in. Apparently, now, I know we're a, supposed to get uh, early in the morning and tomorrow. We're supposed to get thunderstorms in our area. Some of them may be severe. So if you've been enjoying the weather, Mother Nature is saying, <laughs> "Not tomorrow." So it's supposed kinda, to end by Thursday, though. Supposed to be kind of kind of bumpy huh? yeah 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 it's going to get bumpy by the way i want to go back and i wanted to talk about this whole thing about people protesting because there's people who then tell me and ask me well what about the revolution dave well there's a difference in what happened during the revolution and that was that we did not have representation that's what Taxation without that's representation. Right. That's exactly what it was about. But, they used to teach but I would argue that. we don't have representation now. No, you do. We do, but you we do. don't. Well, it's 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 weak. I'm not saying that it's it's strong. If your if your elected officials don't do what they're supposed to do, then uh, it's up to you to get rid of your rep, your representatives. That's not doing their job. Do what I hear people say on social media, and I, I do listen to. I don't just talk on my Facebook pages. I actually read what other people say, and I listen to them. And you know what they mm-hmm. say over and over again? I hear this: whether you elect Democrats or Republicans, once they get in office, the end result is always the same. That what they do is never in the interest of the people, but in the interest of the economic elites who put them there. I don't. Entirely agree but, with you, that. you should never word, say the word never. But that I'm telling you, this is the view of the people. Is that in other words, our government does not work for us. Now, the media isn't telling the people of America, the mainstream media, what President Donald Trump has accomplished for us. 
And the list is long. I challenge you to get on the Internet and type in President Trump's successes. And he will go down as the president with the most accomplishments for the good of the people in the history of America. That's according to USA Today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it. it but the, the perception is that regardless of who we elect, people become politicians. And eventually, when they're in office long enough, that they stop looking at the best interest of us and they start listening to the best interest of special well, interests. Here's the other thing. I mean, let, let's take a look at the um, initiated act that passed this last elective cycle that had the citizens of Arkansas decide that it was they who were going to tell business owners – how much they had to pay people mm-hmm. that work for them. Right. Right. Yeah. Hasn't that already been amended now, too? Haven't they had an amendment that if you're a certain type of business, no, you don't have to? get them through. Was, oh, okay. Couldn't tried. get them through. Governor fought, fought against them. Once uh, again, that's growing government. What? What? Yeah. What, what I'm going to be interested in to see when we come back for the next general session, and we talked a little bit about this on the show over at Capitol, and that is, with a two-thirds vote in the Senate and the House, they can change those initiative, initiative acts, acts that initiative have been voted amendments. in. Mm-hmm. If we start losing a bunch of mom-and-pop businesses because they got to go out. We're losing them. Okay, yeah. but if, they, if we lose them because they they got to go out of business because they're being forced. They're being over-regulated and over-taxed. You know, and if that's the case... Is that the case? Is that not well enough to go in and change an initiated act? Because remember, we do not live in a democracy. We live in a republic. But you know what's amazing? How many people in in high-ranking positions and in high-profile positions on network news keep calling us a democracy? Always. It drives me insane. I I don't understand what... I talked to Brian Lamb last Thursday. You all know who Brian Lamb is from... From C-SPAN, he's the man who started it and whatnot. And we were talking, and he started off saying, when we started C-SPAN, we want everybody to be able to have the transparency to look into not our democracy, because we're not a democracy, we are a republic. And I thanked him at the end of the interview for making that statement. Right. So if you're in a state that where the minimum wage is $14 an hour, and... Uh, uh, which I've been in one of those states recently. Where the, was that? Uh, Washington, Washington, the state, state. Of, the Washington mm-hmm. State. So I believe it was actually is between thirteen and fourteen dollars an well, hour. Our state is on up there. We're pushing up there well, with Seattle's the big 15 guys. Right, fifty. So well, and there's a difference. So, and with Arkansas, was it nine fifteen right now or something like that, or nine nine dollars an hour? Or is it, what is it? But the thing is, though, that the standard of living is, or the cost of living is quite a bit lower here in Arkansas, probably. Don't worry. Yeah, but that's going to go up. Well, like, by the time we get the gas tax increase, and then we've got this unemployment increase, I mean, not unemployment, excuse me, uh, wage uh, requirement, that pretty soon somebody's got to absorb maybe that. Maybe we should call it an, an unemployment tax yeah, increase. Unemployment, yeah. I went over to Home Depot last night and bought a one by six by ten. Okay. Ooh, what are you going to do with well, that? It's it's deck wood, and I'm repairing a couple of old boards in my deck. You actually have a hammer and nails. Yeah, you know, taking Me? care of things. My son-in-law is helping, and uh, you know, getting things back to where it should be. And uh, I I was complaining because it was like almost nine dollars and twenty cents for one 
one by six by ten. And he says, oh, don't worry. Just just stay around. By next year, it'll be probably 12 bucks because <laughs> they're, raising, they're raising the, the minimum wage. Raising the minimum wage, and plus the they're raising the gasoline tax right. to, to, to haul it there. Plus, it's going to cost you more to go there and pick it up because you're going to have gasoline just in your vehicle. So say, plus, who knows what the Democrats up. and Republicans will gear, you know, agree to. And, and when it comes down to volume, you talk about mom and pop businesses. If you look at a business, a family business that has say 13 employees and they've been turning the the volume that those 13 employees can can produce in production and then you know the the uh, employment uh, rate comes up to $13 an hour and then everything is based on that workman's comp unemployment social security is based on the price that you're paying people mm-hmm. so you've got another 35% that comes up with a part of it, then that mom and pop business has to do about 40 to 45 percent more volume to be able to sustain where they're at. And how can you do more volume when when people are buying less because they don't have the money? Because people don't have the money because they're spending it on on insurance or all all these other things. So uh, it's tough. It is really tough. Dave, you were asking earlier about whether or not the the um, legislators would have the the courage to use the two thirds this two thirds majority vote to yeah. to re- rescind some of these constitutional amendments that were that that's were why they're people. there though is to look and see and say the people were wrong well and, I, this. and that's the thing is that that I think part of the problem is that like this minimum wage thing is that there was it was it was heavily supported. By the voters, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of legislators. Seventy-five, it might have been seventy percent or something like that. But the thing is, it's an opportunity for Republicans to come out and actually educate the voters on why this is wrong. They tried. Look, I'm going to say the lieutenant governor did. We didn't try hard. The governor did. Uh, Most of the Republican leadership did. Right. I'm not going to give the governor credit for that very much because he actually supported the previous minimum wage. So he philosophically agrees with minimum wage, but this one he didn't like. And so I, I don't give him much credit for that well, one. Well, actually, I don't agree on telling any business what they have to pay anybody. Absolutely. Thank you. Period. That, that, just, thank that's, you. That's, that's less government involvement. You know, just, hey, absolutely. Sonny, I'm just going to call absolutely. him Sonny because that's the name of his business. R.D., who owns Sonny. Sonny, you pay people what they agree to be paid. That's exactly That's right. That's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. That's right. I go to you and, you and I say, I want a job. And you say, here's what I offer to pay. And I can look at you and say, well, I need a little bit more than that. Can you pay a little bit? And they say, no. And I said, well, you can't have my labor right. for that. Or, or I've I got might. a friend named Troy that says, your raise tells people your raise becomes effective when you do. Right. And the thing is, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> you know, like what, that. what, what needs to be legal is for someone to come to R.D. Hopper. Let's say, let's say I've. Maybe I'm hard up for cash, and I'm maybe I'm not very smart or not very productive because for whatever reason my parents didn't teach me to be. But you know I like R.D. Hopper; he's a good guy, and I want to go work for him. But I'm not productive enough because I'm not whatever it is. My skill set isn't good enough. But I say, you know what, R.D. Hopper, will you let me work in your shop? I'll, I'll sweep floors, whatever it is, because I want to. I want to hang around your business because I think I can benefit personally from being around your business. Can can you just pay me four bucks an hour? That should you know, be legal. You know the sad thing at my at my particular business that if I hire somebody, they have to generate twenty thousand dollars worth of sales a month 
to cover their salary. So if I don't have $20,000 worth of sales a month for every person that I have, then I cannot cover the overhead that I have to do business. So it would be great to be able to pull someone you know, off the streets and say, hey, I'm going to pay you $5 an hour or whatever. And I know very many mechanics that I've met through the years, many of them, who left home during the Depression because their parents couldn't feed them. They went to gas stations. They went to mechanic shops. And they said, I will work for you if you will give me a place to sleep and feed me. And these men learn trades and open businesses in the future because people cared enough to take them in, give them a place to sleep, fed them, and they learned a vocation. And, uh, and it would be against the law to do that. My husband is one of those people. He's a degree right? mechanical engineer and who had to pay his own way through through school at uh, University of Pennsylvania. And he, he couldn't, couldn't find a job while he was there. And he actually went to a business and he said, look, I'll work for you for free. Can I just work for you for free? Just give me a week. Because he said, I think if you see my work ethic, you'll want me to stay. And that's how he got a job, yeah. which is how he put himself through school. And, you know, well, that's, and that's, that's honorable. The, thing the is, company so, better not get caught letting him work for free. That's that, that yeah. sort of thing. Is, that's <laughs> that's that, what they what did. What we're though. talking about here is an honorable way to deal with life. But what we've done with the government is we've decided that, you know what, maybe you may not be productive enough to warrant 13 bucks an hour so you can go on welfare instead or you can steal or you can you can go be a vagrant or 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 um be like some some of the people maybe in some of my homes where they just go and um and squat and there are um, states in america there are states in america where it is more financially lucrative for you to be, to on, be on the government tit part of the expression the dole, yeah. right than to try to make it on your own right. and that that is a problem but it we, encourages we, and we we've decided this. and we've we've been lying to people and telling them it's not reasonable for you to work for four dollars an hour because that's that's just terrible for Artie Hopper to pay you only four bucks an hour when you're not worth any more than that. But the thing is, though, there's a lot of people in this in this state that would really work benefit. I think. Do you know it's hard to find people to work now? If you talk to any small businessman, <clears throat> yeah, the, one that's of the, the biggest problems they say is finding employees. And I'm sitting Somebody here looking at these big the companies. Work. I'm I'm so excited that Sig Sauer is here, and we're going to have um, uh, CZ here. That is exciting. Oh yes. And I'm I'm looking at the number of jobs they're going to bring, and I'm thinking. I wonder if they're going to get that many people to apply for those jobs because because employers say, here's the problem. You either can't get people to show up for work or they can't pass the drug test. test. Now, here's what's funny, because I was talking to, uh, I think it was, you know, it's Congressman Hill. And we were talking about the CZ USA. And uh, he said that within 30 or 45 minutes, or maybe it was Jr. that was talking about this. And they said, when they opened up the website to apply for a job at CZUSA, mm-hmm. in 45 minutes they had 500 applications. And, you know, that's well and good, but I thought they'd have like two or 3,000 applications right. yeah. looking for jobs over there because we're talking an average of $22 an hour. That's good pay. And Arkansas is one of the most heavily no, armed Paul, states. No, don't sit there and make Look that face. Twenty-two hours, twenty-two dollars an hour in Arkansas it, it's, is it's, good pay. It's not bad, but just, just no, it's good. Yeah, well, but here, I mean, it's, here's it's what you're likely to run into from, because from I, I can tell you, right a businessman told me, closed his shop. Yeah. 
he was paying a good salary, but he said, my employees, he was in the business of building trailers, you know, like you haul behind vehicles. Mm-hmm. And he had a, a, a booming business. He hired these people in Arkansas, and they came to work for him. And then about halfway through the work week, they they'd work. say, yeah, I'm done. I've, I've earned enough money for this week, so I don't, I'm not coming to work the rest of the week. And mm-hmm. he said, but. But I've got jobs to do. We've got yeah, things we, got we need to work. do. Right. But it's I just need enough to buy my beer and pay my electric bill, and <laughs> that's all I want. Right, and, well, and so, so part of the part of the problem is finding people that are worth twenty two bucks an hour. It's, I think it's part of the problem is you're you're looking for for laborers that are worth that much, and I think a lot of times people, I'm afraid people don't stay in that category very well if that makes any sense you've got people that are that will stay in the in the 12 to 15 dollar an hour range as far as productivity and you have people that that'll go on up the ladder does that make sense already to you where, where they'll go on up the ladder and move into management well or, or if you can if i could change my name to martinez or dominguez i could get more money than i could as an american citizen coming here as far as entitlements and, and benefits so. and i'm not kidding but, but I mean, in the well, state of Little Rock, you can come in and you can you get have, a photo ID if you're a, if you're an illegal alien. Until they stop that program, I'm really, I'm really upset about that. Can I, I mean, get one of those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah a photo ID They've from, spent from the city of Little Rock. You're a legal dollars, and 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 they've already given out eleven hundred of them. Now I'm wondering uh, what's going to happen with that program. That is a sanctuary city program. What's going to happen with that program now that we have passed legislation that prohibits sanctuary cities in this state? So that is a sanctuary-style program. How are we going to stop that? Well, we need to get Lance Hines on here, who's on the city council, and to talk about that. He has he been was, on. Oh, yes. he has. Yes. What did he say? How are they going to? What are they going to do about that now? Well, they don't know what they're. He doesn't know what they're going to do. He knows what he wants them to do, but right. he's the only. Well, we need to follow up on that, Dave. Our, our investigative journalism. We need to follow up on that. With the, have the mayor on, or the city manager, or somebody. I, I've called and have not heard back that they're positive. You mean they're afraid to come and talk to you? Probably so. One I'm of the shocked. major motivations for people to work in the past 20 years is to have health insurance. Mm. It's one of the major motivations. You would talk to people and say, well, I didn't really need want that job, but it had good health insurance. Or, or I could do without you know, working that many hours, but you know, I needed the health insurance. I've heard it from people a thousand right. times. Well, you get people that are at 125% of poverty level that has health insurance, they have no motivation to work. I can tell you that uh, days in there in Cabot, uh, one of the managers there said that, that most of their employees will only work a certain number of hours because if they work more hours than that, then they lose their benefits. Well, if you can get so, free housing, free food, free free phone, uh, free health care, and, and, and free extra money, I mean, what, what, so why, why pe- work? People are being enslaved in the position they're in. And I say, if you remove the safety net, people will go to work. That's how I said we need to, that's, we could end illegal immigration in 24 hours. If we would say, if you are not a U.S. citizen, no free money, no right. free anything. No break. We'll be back. We got a few more minutes this half hour. And then in the last half hour, let's talk climate change. AOC says we got 12 years. Beto says we got 10 years left. Gore said we had 10 years left 12 years ago. We'll talk more here in just a moment on the Davis. All right. Back with you here on the uh, the Davis show. Let's talk here in the last few moments about what the scientists have told us about how the earth is going to end. And uh, scientists in quotes. 
Yeah. <laughs> Air quotes, yes. That's the same people Air. that think that Uncle Ralph was a squirrel. Yeah. AOC. <laughs> AOC has said, all right, has, has said, we've only got 12 years left. And then you have uh, Beto, who just said, yesterday, we only have 10 years left. So, so do we, do now we have that, nine years? Do we have well, nine years? No, we got Al Gore. Who in 2006, yeah, while he was out promoting his movie, An Inconvenient Truth, remember how... Hey, every, but he invented the internet. Every, he knows things. Everybody was going crazy, because, and they were showing it in classrooms all across America. Oh, no. Oh, Al Gore no. said that humanity had only 10 years left before the world would reach a point of no return. Gore's movie also... They also featured animations of water inundating Manhattan and Florida. Yet Gore's critics point out that just a few years later, he bought an $8 million beachfront property near Los Angeles. Uh, I wish the climate catastrophists practiced what they preached and sold me their beachfront property at a steep discount. Alex Epstein, author of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels, told Fox News... But Gore said it was all going to be over in 10 years in 2006. And we're already three years past that, and it ain't come close. I mean, remember when they were showing us pictures of the water that would rise up in some streets in Miami hmm. to prove that they were going to flood and suddenly not be, you know, hmm. they'd be up to the third floor in the skyscrapers so the are, water would these be? These are the same people that, that have trouble d- deciding if they're boys or girls, right? No, no, this is some, some of the same. Yeah, that's not scientists. All right. These are the scientists that are saying this. You've got. I mean, but the same, it's the same philosophical group. That, that, well, sure. The well, they yeah. can't figure out now the boys and girls. Yeah. Noel Brown, director of the New York office of the U.N. Uh, environmental program, said uh, that entire nations could be wiped off the face of the earth by rising sea levels if the global warming trend was not reversed by 2000. He also said, shifting climate patterns was going to bring back 1930s Dust Bowl conditions to Canada and U.S. Wheatlands. Now, this has not been just going on recently. I mean, we can. I remember this stuff in high school. Uh, in 1967, when I was a freshman in high school, a best-selling book called Famine, 1975, which came out four, but after four years after I got out of high school, America's decision, who will survive? It predicted mass starvation around the developing world due to increasing population and weather changes. Today's crisis can move in only one direction, toward catastrophe. Now, we've got about two or three times as many people on the earth as they had back in the 1960s, right? Yeah, Ehrlich, remember Ehrlich, Paul Ehrlich, the population bomb written in the mid-60s, a man who his his place of study was about butterflies, butterflies, made the statement that overpopulation was going to starve over a third of the world. Interesting. Of course, so, I believe what the Bible says about how the world will end and nobody knows when it's going to end. No. Only but, God. Well, you know, some, somebody, exactly. Not, a, a while back, somebody was making the point that, you know, the more people we get on this planet, the more collective intelligence we have. And so there's, we have, we have, we, we find new ways 
to actually enrich each other. And that's one of the things. No, about, but we're not doing Mark. that. We don't have we collective intelligence. We actually no, no, we're, no, we're, no, we're not, not working together. We're fighting each other. We're, 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 each we're, other, we're, we're in a constant state of, of fighting each other. If think of the, what we could, if we were truly engaging in collective intelligence, think of what we could be accomplishing. Uh, well, in, in outer space but, right now. Well, but the thing is, in, in spite of the, the moronic stuff that we have going on, we are actually still in, engaging in collective intelligence on some level. Technology is Where, advancing. We, we've got cars now that, that are just amazing. We've got, we've got electronics that are dirt cheap, and they can do all kinds of cool stuff. In spite of the stupid things that we have going on right now, technology is still advancing. We can make food really easy with hardly any manpower. It's The, the, the fact is that... that as population is as the population is increasing, we're, and technology is improving, and it's making it's becoming easier and easier to make food to feed everybody. And we're also destroying our planet in the process too. Well, we're well, just, well I, not I, I, all of that technology does though. You know, when I was in uh, Yakima, Washington, I went to the apple orchards out there in the valleys, and every five years they come up with a new rack and a new way to get vines. Uh, to dr- grow through uh, metal braces so that it will support the apples. So they can so, grow more apples So they can grow more tree. apples wow. on a tree because the the wires. So now they can start getting apples off of a tree that's two years old. Oh, wow. It used to take about five to ten years because you had to grow the structure to support the apples. Now they run the vines sort through like, brackets. Sort of like putting. And they can, and they can grow twice as many apples as they could you know 10 wow. years ago so it's sort of like staking tomatoes at, uh, on l- less property it's not har- harming the environment mm-hmm. at all and it takes less labor to pick it because they can just drive down the racks and pick it up instead of trying to get right to the a top, top of, a of a tree to do it well, so the, right. there's some truth to that all progress doesn't really hurt the environment no, th- and, no and, but, and uh but but and, to jan's point i think is that, that you know some of our food production is is simply moronic. I mean, there are, some of our factory food food production models are plumb stupid. I mean, they're they're terrible from a pollution standpoint. They're pretty bad just from a food quality standpoint. Well, we have a trouble. We have trouble regulating foods that are coming in from other countries. And meanwhile, we're paying the number of our farmers to not produce, which is dumb. But we're taking in we're taking the same kinds of foods though from other countries, and and hence that's where you get your health issues because of of a lack of proper oversight on cleanliness. I was watching a program, a documentary last night about our food source, mm-hmm. that you know what Americans are eating and how these these um, diseases and these illnesses, foodborne illnesses are coming from foods from other countries where they don't have regulations regulating the water that the, the but, vegetables are being watered with and so then you know all kinds of well, but it's and, not and, going to destroy the earth like these squirrels no, i'm talking about yeah, the kinds yeah, right. of dumping in the sea that china is doing right, we're exactly. talking about destruction of our our sea life uh, because of all the plastics yes well, there's there's things we, we have to be We're doing plenty good to destroy the bees in Arkansas. We're de- we're definitely doing that. We're, right. <laughs> you know, don't get me started on the whole bee thing, but you know you can well, laugh all you want. No, 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 but I, I, bees I, I, are essential to survival of the human race. No, no, I saw I, them in I every that, field in it, Washington and, that had trees in it. Right, but, but there's think, bees at the end of every field. I think I think you're right that we we have some pretty serious problems with um with our with our corporate. Um, um, factory farm model, and I think it's just dumb. And part of it, I think, is because of our our, our policies about labor costs and regu- and labor um, regulations, where we 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 basically outsource our food production to to other countries. 
Well, free market. Yeah, you know, we don't have free we don't have here. a free market. The free market to to our farmers it, it is destroying our our farmers, and that's a whole lot like that. Poverty Incorporated. We're sent, we're producing so much and sending it overseas. All we're doing is slaving other people. But we'll go back to what we were talking about to these people that are teaching our kids in the education system and edu and our. And scaring the children, saying that there's only ten or twelve years yeah, left and, left and in the world. That's unbelievable. Yeah, you know when they found that Mayan calendar or whatever it was, Aztec calendar that looked like an Oreo cookie, mm-hmm. and they decided that it stopped, that the world was coming to an end. I was teaching about eight to ten year old class at church, so mm-hmm. I was I was afraid they'd be worried about it. Okay, now here's what I was being taught when I was in high school, and I was in high school from 1969 to 1971, all right, is uh, they were talking about this global cooling was what we needed to worry about. University of California Davis professor Kenneth Watt, who warned that present trends would make the world 11 degrees colder by the year 2000, about twice what it would take to put us into an ice age. British scientist writer Nigel Calder was just as worried. The threat of a new ice age must now stand alongside alongside nuclear war as a likely source of wholesale death and misery for mankind. Calder said that in an international uh, meeting in 1975. Hmm. So there's been Al Gore's for a long See, remember time. They've really been talking about, you know, they've been talking about it for a long time. Then they started talking about global warming, and now they changed it. Now, no, whether this, if it gets hot, it's getting too hot. If it's cold, it's getting too cold, and they call it climate, climate change. change. So, yeah, in other words, so it can go wealth. either way. So in other words, the nut jobs have been telling us the world's going to end for the past 50 years, and they're just nut jobs. Harrison Brown a scientist, a world-renowned scientist, predicted in Scientific American that lead, zinc, tin, gold, and silver deposits would be completely depleted before 1990. Hmm. If you're, do you guys remember in the 80s when they were talking about we were running out of oil? Oh yeah. Do you remember about oh, that? Oh, I remember that. And I now was... we are we are awash in oil. Why? Because technology changed, and we can get oil that we never got before. I was afraid they were going to burn it all before I got my driver's license. You know, I, so uh, right. So, so you, I, I so remember you, so you've got hearing this, all that this stupid so called, stuff. This kind of intellectual arrogance. These people who do not know what they're talking about, making up stuff that they couldn't possibly know. And declaring it to be fact, and, and are acting like it's like it's credible um, testimony on these things. It's 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 some of the arrogance that goes on among those who are supposedly intelligent is is rather frustrating. Anthony Barnowski at UC Berkeley said this in the National Science Foundation magazine. So far, only 1% to 2% of all species have gone extinct in the groups we can look at clearly. So by those numbers, it looks like we are not far down the road to extinction. However, 75% of species could go extinct in as little as 3 to 22 centuries. 
Three to 22 centuries. Just around the corner. Hmm. So in other words, they I just read an article the other day that said that they had found 36 new species in the last three years. So in other words, they're going to declare that something has gone extinct. While on, the other, while on the other hand, they're finding new species they never knew existed. Yeah. How do they know these other species have gone extinct? Yeah, they might not be able to find them under their desk. <laughs> <laughs> because these people don't live in the real world. I don't, because they, they didn't. Because these critters didn't crawl around on some college campus or maybe in the in the exact spot where they were doing their research? You know what the problem is? We're busy teaching kids about this kind of thing and talking to kids about this kind of thing instead of teaching them about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And, or giving them a, helping them develop a moral compass. Because they use this kind of scare tactics. To talk and, to, and teach kids that capitalism is bad and only the government can save you. You got that right. That's the reason they build building all those windmills all over the United States. You know, the taxpayers are subsidizing about 70% of these multi-million dollar windmills, and they're building them all over the United States because the Nancy Pelosi's and the Al Gore's are convincing those people to take the money away from the hardworking American people and give it to their fruitcake buddies so they can get kickbacks. We've had decades of this kind of of brainwashing in our schools, which is why we have the end result of people elected like Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, she, she, she should not be a surprise come, come so when you hear I, about I listening. want our listeners, call in 823-0965, and you tell me which bartender you think should be the next congressperson <laughs> from, from Arkansas. And, and congressperson, because we don't know if they're male or female, and some of them don't know either. Well, they might not know. I did say I saw that for uh, colleges now are freaking out because, you know, they're having the big – weightlifting mm-hmm. contest and they right. got three guys that are saying that they're are women. they're saying they're women and they're breaking all the records and they're acting like they're actually that's women it's, breaking it's, the it's records truly destroying yeah, the whole athletic world because all these men are getting into women's athletic competitions and saying they are they are feeling See, like they're women but here's the biggest this should Go be ahead. the biggest crime that we're giving young children hormones yep because they say that they feel like I they are. Hey, I, I feel like I'm a little girl. So, mm-hmm. so what are we doing? As is three or four or five year old children, we're giving them drugs that prevent them from going into puberty and hormones that make them, you know, if you're female, giving you male hormones. I, I just, I, I, to me, that is child abuse. Here's here's what it will take. I'm going to tell you. Here's what it will take. It will take somebody who's not good enough to make the NBA, and they say, you know, I really have always felt like I was a woman. So I'm going to go play in the WNBA, and they go in and they just tear it up. And you that's think, when it is start changing, right? Well, and you, and no, you, it won't. And you it thought, won't change and you it. thought viewership was bad on the WNBA now. What are they going to do when they have a bunch of cross dressers playing the WNBA? I want to tell you now. I want you guys to think about this as a as a three, four, five year old child. Did you know, did you ever have a thought about maybe you weren't a boy or maybe no. I wasn't a girl? No. You know, I used to play, I was a tomboy growing up. I played because all the kids in the neighborhood were boys. So I played basketball. I mean, I roughhoused with the boys. Now, but that didn't make my parents go, she's probably actually a boy. So, Well, he's playing with Barbies and not G.I. Joe. So evidently, <laughs> he really wants to be a girl. All right, we've come back for the last few moments of uh, today's power panel. Of course, R.D.'s here, Jan's here, and uh, Paul's here. 
And, you know, look, I understand reading all of this to you. You go, why are you doing this, Dave? Because I want you to see that the reason your kids are believing all this stuff is because they've been feeding it to them for years now. There's some of you who are listening right now and are saying, well, yeah, it's all happening because you've been told it so much you believe it. You know, Goebbels knew what he was doing when he worked for Hitler, and he was his propagandist. What was it he said? Tell the biggest lie tell you can tell over, 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 and over and over and over and again. over, and people will believe it. Yeah, who, who it still works have, that way. Who, who would have guessed this this gender confusion thing would have actually become mainstream? In the I Democrat used to make party. fun of it, Paul, ten years ago. I made yeah. fun of it. Joking I made about fun of the food police. Now 20 you can lose your ago. job for making fun That's of it. That's exactly if you're right. You're a teacher. I, but, but you can who, lose your job if you use the ro- wrong, wrong pronoun. pronoun. That's who right. But who would have guessed ten or fifteen years ago that people with serious People would have actually supported this stuff in a serious way. We've got we've got we've got real Democrat Political politicians that actually get elected. Is destroying this country, just like it is already destroying other countries. This this is just some of this stuff is just simply moronic. All right, we're we, down to just a few moments. Reggie wants to join up with us, and I I'll let Reggie in any time. How are you, Reggie? Hey, Dave. Hey, panel. Hey, hey, guys. hey. hey Reggie. Dave, we've had this conversation before, but if God had a sense of humor, he must be laughing right now. Well, I agree. When these people, when these people are talking about how many years we have left, um, it's just unbelievable that their thought process. I don't know what fairy tale land they live in, but um, our Maker will make that decision one day. Exactly. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that's what the Bible says. No one knows the day or time. Angels don't know. Even Jesus himself doesn't but, know. Only God knows. But Reggie, then, if we, if, for, for, go ahead. But Reggie, if we went to the, back to the Bible as our source of authority for society and right and wrong, we wouldn't have any of the problems but here's we're talking the problem, about on guys. the show today. Exactly. Here's the problem. Is and Reggie, here's the problem of all of this is that the same people who are telling us that a boy is a girl and a girl is a boy are the same people that say, you actually believe that the Bible is true? Mm-hmm. Think about that. Yeah, the, the, well, they believe the, we came from a bowl of soup. A bowl of soup got struck by lightning. The most, these, this, these people can't actually answer some of the most basic questions. Are you a boy or a girl? And and they're going to tell us that we're crazy for okay, being there. Okay, I have a solution. We need a time machine. Earthers. We need to create it. We need a time machine. We need to go back to the fifties and knowing what we know now, we need to nip this stuff in the bud. Abolish public school before it start. Before it started, <laughs> you'd have to go back a lot earlier in the fifties. The fifties, true. We need to go back to when they decided that social security was uh, going social, to be security helped to abolish it's one of the socialism. Ten, basically, to abolish the need for one of the Ten Commandments: honor your father and mother. That's the job of children to honor their father and mother. We don't need social security. All right, go ahead, Reggie. Right you, you get the final I, word. We need to go back to Mayberry, but. Uh, and I need to come by tomorrow and share some information with you. Okay. It's Looking forward to your seeing mind. you. But okay. What I was going to say, Dave, is these um, these people are uh, they're promoting an agenda that you know I don't know that they even believe it themselves. It's so far out. So. It's so far absurd. And I, I say just let them continue because they are driving people away from the Democrat Party. 
true. Can I say something? If you enjoyed this. Reggie, i got to let you go. Thanks so much. If you like Reggie's contribution, he is a regular at the Gun Cave. And these are the kinds of conversations we have at the Gun Cave. We have rocking chairs in the lobby, and we all sit around, and we talk about things just like this. It's a great right. place to hang out. Jan, thanks for coming. We'll see you next Tuesday. R.D., thank Enjoy you. Today. Paul, thank yes, you. Yes, sir. We'll take a break. Bible Guy is coming up on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's get with it. Bible Guy is here today. Scott is out. Uh, he was going to have an associate pastor come today, and all of them are, you know, in, engaged Otherwise in Otherwise occupied. Yes, mm-hmm. and then uh, Steve has to go to... To, to work, so that leaves Billy Miller, who is here in the studio, ready to uh, take on all your questions here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. So, if you got a question, 823-0965, 823-0965, and, uh, you know, if you want to just send it in through uh, Facebook, not Facebook, but through texting it or emailing it, email it right to me at Dave at Salem. Not Dave. <laughs> Bible guys at SalemLR.com. All right, here's the first one. Brian says, got a question for the Bible guys. I've been in a discussion about Paul changing the laws of God. And let me mm-hmm. just say, this is one of the big things that liberal theologians have been doing for the last 40 years. Uh, I was uh, asking what gives Paul the authority to change the laws of God and I really didn't know how to answer when even Jesus would not change the law. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill Matthew five seventeen. Then in Matthew five eighteen, amen. I say to you until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Just wondering if you and the Bible guys could talk on this a little next week. Thanks, Dave, for what you do. Respectfully, Brian. There's not been any change. There has not. That's um, the key. So Paul is um, Paul can be a little confusing. Uh, Peter himself said that Paul was hard to understand, um, and unfortunately, we have been we've now spent 1,700 years being taught. Um, that Jesus fulfilled the law, and by fulfilling the law, he abolished the law, and that Paul is the perfect example of that. And because we've had that taught to us generation after generation after generation, we don't question that. See, that's the same thing I was just saying about global warming in right. the last hour. Goebbels was right. You can tell the biggest lie over and over and over, and people will sometime, somewhere along the line start accepting it as being truth. Right. Right. So we first we have to talk about what the word fulfill there means. Um, yep. The word fulfill there means to um, to show how to properly uh, accomplish something. So Jesus, when he came to fulfill the law, what he is, is showing us how to properly live out the law. And we see even Jesus in his time um, doing some things which the Pharisees um, considered to be a violation of the law. And we have to ask ourselves, did Jesus break the law? Uh, the answer is that Jesus never broke the law. That would have made him a sinner by definition, and we know that Jesus was without, was without sin. So the question becomes, what was it that Jesus was doing that the Pharisees considered unlawful? Uh, and in Judaism, we have to understand that there is a written law, the Torah, um, and really Torah doesn't mean law, but that's a whole different subject. Um, there's the written law, 
which we are commanded to follow. And then there is an oral law or what scripture often refers to as the traditions of the fathers. Um, the problem with traditions, um, traditions are not in and of themselves a bad thing. Traditions can be very good. Um, it's how a lot of times how we teach the next generation to do the things that we want them to do is that we create traditions for them to follow. However, what Jesus accused them of doing uh, was elevating the traditions of the Father to the point of the law or even above the law. Um, he says that you make the law of no effect by your traditions, meaning that you use your traditions that you've created to uh, countermand the law itself. So when the when the Pharisees are um, talking to Jesus and claiming that he has violated the law, what he's actually broken is this oral law, this oral tradition. Um, and never do we see him violate any of the written law. Now, let's jump forward to Paul. Paul is very good at doing the exact same thing. Paul is a Pharisee among the Pharisees, um, schooled in the law, Um, from his earliest age, a teacher of the law. And he testifies of himself at the end of his life, near the uh, end of the book of Acts. He testifies of himself that he never violated the law, nor had he violated the traditions of the fathers. So when he talks about himself at the end of his life, knowing that he's going to die, I think he's about two years away uh, from his death when he makes that statement. Um, When he makes that statement, he is testifying that he has always kept the law. And we see this evident over and over. When, he's, when he talks about, uh, I wish, I wish to, ma- to make it back to Jerusalem before the, the feast. Why is he trying to get back to Jerusalem for the feast? Well, because as a Hebrew man, he is commanded to be at the temple for the feast. Um, he, he has to be there, if at all possible. There are some um, allowances for when you're traveling and that sort of thing, but he wished to fulfill the law by being at the temple. So... The question becomes, if Paul did not violate the law, then what was he doing? What was it that, there, I mean, there are some pretty clear statements, uh, particularly in the book of Galatians, where he is railing against the law. What is he railing against? Well, we as Greek thinkers don't separate the written law from the oral law. We don't know that there are two laws, uh, one of these given by God, one of these given by man. Um, and what he is almost always speaking about and and I would argue that if he is claiming you don't need to do it anymore, uh, if he is arguing that a Jewish person person does not need to do it anymore, then we are talking about oral law. Um, it, so, particularly when um, that oral law comes in conflict with the written law, you know, I can't make up a law and claim that this releases me from the law of God that that puts me in the position of God. So that is um, kind of the in a nutshell version of how we get to where people like me and Scott and Steve are today, uh, because we read that and we go, well, now, wait a minute. Uh, If Jesus didn't do away with the law and the new Testament doesn't give anyone the authority to do away with the law, um, then the law is still in effect. And if the law is still in effect now, I I need to clarify here because people are going to go, Oh, uh, he believes in salvation by works. No, I do not. Nor did anyone in the old Testament ever believe in salvation by works. Go read the hall of faith. It is not called the hall of works. It's called the hall of faith. Salvation has always been by faith. Uh, however, that faith should lead. We talk about, um, faith that produces works. 
that faith should lead to works, and God has de- defined what those works should look like through His law. Uh, he said, "If you want to be on, you know, if you want to be one of My people, then here's how I expect My people to look. Here's how I expect My people to act. Here's what I expect My people to do. Here's what I expect My people to eat." Um, it's still all about mercy. It's still all about grace. But um, since He told us how He wants us to live, we do our best to live in that manner. We do our best to fulfill. Um, Meeting the requirements, meeting the, you know, I, I tell the story sometimes of uh, pick your favorite sports team. If the owner of that sports team called up and said, hey, uh, we'd like you to come and whether it's baseball throughout the first pitch being that time of year or um, whatever it is, um, we want you to come and be a, a part of the team. And you show up on day one and they go, oh, by the way, um, because you're now a part of the team, we expect you to wear our uniform. Um, we have children on site, so we expect you to watch your language. You know, we expect these things out of you now that you're part of the team. If you were to go, well, I'm not willing to do any of this. I'm, I'm not wearing your uniform. I mean, I like y'all and all, but I'm not wearing your uniform, and I'll, I'll speak however I want to. You also would not be throwing out that first pitch. Um, they just wouldn't let you do that. Well, the team of Christ is very much like that. So I'm willing to take anyone. Come as you are. But once you get here, I expect you to change. And, and by the way, I've... I've kind of laid out a list of things that I, I really prefer that you do. Um, are you going to get all of them on day one? No, you're not going to get all of them on day one. It's just not going to happen. But there's a goal. There's a mark to be working for towards. As a matter of fact, we define sin by missing that mark. That's literally what sin means. It means to miss the mark. And what is the mark that we're aiming at? Well, that is the law that God gave us. No. How's that for an explanation? I like that. That's good. You did a good go. job, Billy. Well, you know. You know, you've been dealing with this for quite some time. I've done this once or twice. I've answered that question once or twice. Yes, well, I have. And, so. and it's really interesting because because we don't look at the New Testament through the eyes of a Jew. Right. We can't grasp it sometimes. Right. And and that's it's it's stripping the church as we talk have talked off the air and and. You know, when Scott and Steve are here and we're all talking, it's taken away the fullness Absolutely. of our faith. Absolutely. And I believe that is, you know, we, we know that there is a great falling away coming, uh, and I believe we're uh, already in the midst of that. Um, if we look to see what is happening around the world right now to Christians, and when I say around the world, until six or eight months ago, maybe a year ago, uh, that would have primarily been other countries. But we now see that here in the U.S. as well. When you go on to your personal Facebook page and post a Bible scripture, and then your employer terminates you because they consider that hate speech, mm-hmm. and I'm not naming names, but do a quick Google search. You won't have any problems finding it. Um, that's persecution. Now, it's not getting your head cut off persecution yet, but persecution starts somewhere. And when persecution, when when simply quoting scripture can cost you your job, this country is not what it was even two or three years ago. That's period. correct. Um, and it's only going to get worse. There has to be a falling away before there will be a great revival. And I think that great revival, and Steve and I have talked a lot about this, I think that great revival will come when the Jewish people finally have, the, the scripture is clear that God has blinded the Jewish people for a period of time. So the work he wanted to perform among the heathen nations could be performed. But the time is coming when that blindness will be lifted. And then we're going to have a situation where we don't have a Paul. 
but we've got a bunch of Pauls. We've got thousands of Pauls. <laughs> You've got people who grew up as Orthodox Jews and understand the law, and oh, by the way, now they see the Messiah. Here's the problem. They're going to come preaching a gospel that the modern church does not understand because they are not going to walk away from the law because they'll look at it and go, oh, this meshes, meshes perfectly with what we do now. Why would we give up the law? Who told you could give up the law? Uh, matter of fact, the Old Testament has two definitions for a false prophet. The first is that if the prophet predicts something and claims, thus saith the Lord God, and then that does not happen, he is he's a false he's prophet. He's supposed to be killed. That's right. He's supposed to be taken out. He is back. a false prophet, take him out and stone him. The second definition for a false prophet in the Old Testament is that even if the prophet predicts something and it comes to pass, but he tries to lead you away from God and his Torah, he's a false prophet. Take it out. And, so if someone, one of the apostles, if Messiah himself had said the law is done, Paul that said it automatically I come makes them to you. right. That automatically makes them a false prophet, and therefore they have no validity in the New Testament because the New Testament is essentially a commentary on the Old Testament. It is the hey, here's how you live this out. And 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 what did Paul say? What did he do? He says he preached Christ crucified, Christ risen. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what he preached. And now we've got mainstream Christian denominations saying that there's other religions that it gets you to heaven yep. just as well as Jesus will. Yep. That, my friends, is a lie from the pit of hell. Absolutely. My, my primary message uh, as a minister when I'm traveling around preaching in churches, uh, when, I'm, when I'm in the prison every weekend, uh, my primary message these days is that the king is coming. That, that is my theme. The underlying theme for everything I do these days is the king is coming. But that assumption is based on the fact that the king has come, that he died, and that he resurrected, sure. and that he has gone away to prepare a place. Otherwise, the king is coming means nothing. But let us never forget that the foundation is his death, burial, and resurrection, period, plain That's and simple. That's the good news. He is divine, and he has paid the price that you absolutely cannot pay for yourself. And for you who say, oh, you guys believe that. Yeah, and you probably believe a boy can be a girl and a girl can be a boy. Yeah, yeah. You probably believe that the world's going to end in 10 years or 12 years. I, I, I don't know. Uh, well, the world is not going to end, My period. End, you know. uh, the good Lord's coming back at some point, but we're going, we're going to be right here for a very, very long— everybody who thinks that Jesus is going to show up one night when you least expect it, and uh, we're all going to, to go sit on a cloud somewhere and play some harps. And you're elected. Yeah, you need you need to go you need to go reread that because that's simply not um, the picture that the Bible paints for us. When Messiah returns, for starters, and, and I, please don't be offended, it's just what Scripture says. For starters, it's going to be a tremendously bloody event. Um, millions of people are going to die uh, when Messiah returns because they are physically going to wage war, and he's not just going to. It's it's not a Thanos moment. He's not just going to snap his fingers and people disappear. Okay, <laughs> this is a this is a war played out, and yeah, we're uh, not going to turn to ash. Yeah, not happening. Um, <laughs> so it's going to be a bloody, a very bloody event, and then he's going to rule by the iron scepter for a thousand years. Um, notice that he didn't say it doesn't say he's going to rule with. Pink hearts and, and chocolate candies. Um, an iron scepter is a pretty serious sort of, of statement there. So um, it, it's it's just not what most people have imagined. It's it's not harps. It's it's not 
uh, little babies with wings. You're not turning into a little baby with wings and floating around in the sky. That's just not what is coming. For Says you. you're going to get a new body. You are getting a new body. I'm looking forward to that one. I've been walking around on a on an ankle that really needs to be replaced for almost 15 years now, and uh, I'll be glad when that's no longer the I situation. I wonder if my so. scar will disappear. I sure hope so. Um, yeah, I, I got several scars I'd like to go away as well. Uh, not all of them physical. That's all I'm saying. But uh, uh, it, it'll be interesting. It'll, right. it'll be very interesting. Got another question for you when we come back. If you have a question, 823-0965. 823-0965. We'll get you right in. Or send your email to BibleGuys at Salem, S-A-L-E-M-L-R, Hey, if you're uh, wondering how do other people get away with paying fewer taxes than everyone else, what you need to do is to learn the little-known strategies that could help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis done by David Lucas of David Lucas Financial. This free analysis will reveal the little-known strategies and loopholes They could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes with your IRA, 401k, Social Security benefits, and more. To get your free analysis, just be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. This is your opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes in retirement. Call 501-653-6690. That number one more time. 501-653-6690. All right, back with you. Dave Ellswick Show, question number two. And after reading it, we may have to wait until after the news because we've only got a minute and a half here. Yeah, I can't answer that in a minute and a half. Okay, so (laughs) Susan wrote us a question and said, In Matthew 12, Jesus said, An evil and and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given it, but the signs of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. This is specific. In Mark eight thirty one, Jesus said, And he began to teach them the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again the jews therefore because it was a preparation that the body should not remain upon the cross on the sabbath day for that sabbath day was a high day was there a specific preparation day thursday or is the week of passover considered the preparation as much had to be done prior to passover tradition says that jesus was crucified on good friday but for jesus to have been in the heart of the earth three days and three nights as it said he should have been crucified on Thursday as the first day of the week for Jews is Sunday, the day after the Sabbath. Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night would be three days and three nights. Please clarify this for me. We'll talk about it. And Susan, I think Billy can clarify it for you when we come back. We'll talk a little bit more. All right, back. Dave Ellis. We just got a new, uh, not really a question, uh, kind of. You know, in my crazy kind of question, I think. And, and and sometimes, as a believer, things happen that might shake your, your you when God does something out of the ordinary in your life 
And this has happened with me, and I've told my wife about it, and she looked at me like I was nuts. Mm-hmm. All right, now we'll talk about this in just a moment. i got to turn over to Billy because Susan's waiting for you to explain why we uh, think Christ rose on Sunday when she thinks he rose on Saturday. Well, um, so there is a – she actually wrote a, a fairly lengthy and detailed question. Did we actually read the question before the break? Yes. Um, so her, her question is – um, it, it's all about the timing uh, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Um, and there are some things that there are some things that Scripture says. And because we did not grow up uh, Orthodox Jew, we don't understand the timing of them. We, we make some assumptions about what the Scripture says. Um, <clears throat> so Christ says the only um, sign that will be given to this wicked generation is the same sign as Jonah in the grave, three days and three nights. And she says. That's specific. That is very specific. Three days and three nights is very specific. In the belly and, and the whale. It was. I was nine years old when I read this myself and came to the same conque- uh, the same questions and conclusions, which is that Messiah. There, there can be no such thing as Good Friday. Uh, Messiah did not die on a Friday. It could not have happened, and then uh, have him resurrect on a Sunday. So, um, bonus points for having having gotten there. Um, and here's what we have to deal with. We know that he had to be taken off of the cross before Sabbath, which is where we come to the conclusion that he was crucified on a Friday. Obviously, Sabbath is Saturday, followed immediately by the first day of the week. Um, Therefore, obviously, to uh, us on the outside looking in, that would appear that he was crucified on Friday. However, we have a misunderstanding because we don't um, celebrate all of those wonderful things that are in the Old Testament, and that is that the end of week Sabbath, the weekly Sabbath, is not the only Sabbath that is on the Hebrew calendar. I know. Isn't that crazy? Uh, Nobody are, taught me that. I know it. Uh, there are other Sabbaths on the calendar, and any day that is considered a high holy day is a Sabbath. It is a day where we do no work. Um, and Passover is one of those um one of those high Sabbaths. We, we don't do any work on Passover. We are re, we are required not to, or required to celebrate instead. <clears throat> so it does not matter whether Passover comes on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Whatever day of the week it is, that day becomes a Sabbath. So the day before Passover uh, is always uh, the day before a Sabbath. So in reality, the fact that he was crucified before a Sabbath does not give us a day of the week. However, there are other clues here which do tell us when, uh, what day he was crucified. Now, in reality, um, this is not a salvation issue. So I often don't fight with people over this uh, who just want to stick to their Christ died on on Friday, and I believe it, and that makes it true. Um, Okay, that makes it true for you, I suppose. Uh, However, truth is universal, and therefore it's not open to interpretation. But here is what did happen. We have to understand what Jesus was coming to do. He was coming to play out the role of the sacrificial lamb. He was coming to play out the role of the Passover lamb. Jesus enters Jerusalem on a Saturday, on a Sunday, we know this. What we call Palm Sunday. In that day and age, um, a lamb would have been being brought into Jerusalem on that Sunday as well. Uh, again, he is mirroring 
the act that he has already created. This is the same God that spoke creation into existence. He didn't do those things by accident. He did them because they foreshadowed what he was going to do. The lamb comes into Jerusalem on Sunday, and so does the lamb come into Jerusalem on Sunday. That lamb is then inspected for four days. So is Messiah. He is inspected. We see, if we look at right between Palm Sunday and the crucifixion, we see the Pharisees coming and asking questions. We see the Sadducees coming and asking questions. We see everybody coming and asking him questions. They are inspecting him. This is a a, a traditional sort of thing that is done for someone who appears to be messianic. Um, the same thing was being done to the Lamb at that time in Jerusalem. And then on the afternoon before, uh, if we go back and read the description of the Passover, the, the Lamb is brought into the home on the 10th day of the month, and then on the 14th day of the month, that Lamb is slain. And then the next day is Passover. So if we look, then what we find out is is Jesus came into Jerusalem on Sunday. He was inspected on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. He would have been slain on Wednesday afternoon. He would have been in the grave Thursday and Friday and and Saturday and would have risen on Sunday. Now, there is a slight problem there. uh, and, And it's not really a problem. It's simply that we don't think about time the way Jews think about time. This is not sunrise service Sunday morning because the Hebrew day starts the night before. Sunday starts Saturday at sundown. So Jesus almost certainly rose as the Sabbath is ending on what we would consider um, Saturday time. So there is your time scale. And lo and behold, when we put it back into its context, which is Passover, it lines up perfectly. And there are no weird numbers and no missing days. And we can pretty easily count three days and three nights that way. All right. How's that? I hope that helps Susan, you know, so she can clear that in her mind. Matt sent me two quick back-to-back texts. Okay. And here's what he said. Those comments about Paul and when the Jews begin to see, I'd argue that many already are beginning to. Some of the leading scholars writing on the, quote, new perspective on Paul, unquote, and or reading the New Testament text as Jewish texts are non-Messianic Jews, people like Mark Nanos, Rabbi Samuel Sedmel, for example. The awakening is already beginning, and it's a, a very exciting thing to see. Now, let me read the last one that he wrote, too. If you look up, quote, kosher Jesus, unquote, yep. Yep. you'll see a modern, is it Chabad? Chabad. Chabad, C-H-A-B-A-D. Mm-hmm. The C-H is a... <laughs> okay. Chabad, <laughs> author, who wrote about Jesus being a pharisaic, obedient Jew, and many, many more books like it from Jewish sources, seeing the Jewishness, even if not as Messiah yet, of Jesus and others of Paul. The awakening is happening. It's beginning already. Yes, that is absolutely true. Um, There can be no doubt. There is a specific event, I suppose, um, that we're we're kind of waiting on, and I think it'll be the key event. Um, When Jesus is rebuking um, those in authority, he says to them, you will not see me again until you say, Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, The Messiah has said, I'm not coming back until the leadership is willing to recognize who I am. Mm-hmm. Now, there are lots of individual uh, rabbis and orthodox individuals, many very secretively, uh, who absolutely have um, accepted Jesus. 
as the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are many who are coming out of the closet at this point, as it were, um, to recognize that Jesus is the Messiah. However, the leadership has not yet said, Baruch Habab Hashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, when that event happens, I, I believe that that will be the signal um, that the final great uh, revival that is to come uh, will have finally started. I, I think these these two things line up together. Um, that recognition, those who rejected him once before, again, we have to talk about the leadership, not individuals. When that leadership who rejected him once before is now willing to say, we made a mistake, this is the Messiah, and he lifts that veil off of them, I, I think great okay, things so happen. Okay, so let me ask, who would be the leadership? There is a uh, Sanhedrin, even today. Um, they okay. don't wield political power like they did in the time of Messiah, uh, but there is a Sanhedrin. There is a, a fully functional Sanhedrin. A Supreme Court, so yes. to speak. Yes, yes, yes. They, they, are just, they have no teeth today. So Okay, all right. We will take our final break. And when we come back, I'm going to read uh, this last statement that was sent to Scott, and he forwarded it to me. So I want to read it, and then I want to give a little testimony of my own that goes along with this, and it may help some people that are listening. I don't believe we talk about things just willy-nilly on this show. I believe there's reasons that we deal with the issues we deal with here on the Bible, guys. When we come back, uh, this question, and you'll want to hear it on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Final uh, statement. This is a statement from a gentleman by the name. Does it say a name? It does not. Okay, so a gentleman wrote us, and here's what he says. I think we may not have gotten the question Okay. I think Scott get his entire message. And if and you know what? If this is a statement and then there was a question, if you sent this, we promise next week on Tuesday, because we do this every Tuesday at five, we will answer your question. I've got a question before the question on Bible guys. Okay. That's what I'm saying. He he said there was a question. I have always wondered how it was that Yahweh spoke to the people in the Old Testament by his audible voice. Or so it seems. We know by the word that Yahweh, Yeshua, and the Holy Spirit, by the words of Yahweh, created the whole universe by his words. He spoke to Adam and said, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. He spoke to Moses from the burning bush, and Moses spoke back. Yet all these times that Yahweh spoke, it must have been an audible voice. Mm -hmm. How else would they know who was talking to them. Even in the New Testament, we see again Yahweh speaking when Yeshua was baptized, a voice came from heaven saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, Yahweh sent us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. Yahweh's Spirit dwells in us and we can talk with him and hear by our spirit. We no longer have the audible voice of Yahweh unless he chooses to speak to us that way. And how awesome was it that Adam had the opportunity to walk with Yahweh himself and talk directly to him face-to-face. Absolutely. That is pretty cool when you really start to sit there and think about it. Right. All right? That would be better than even having a really good steak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at that time, Adam was clothed in his glory, just like Yahweh was. 
I guess this isn't a question after all, but more of a meditation on Yahweh and how he communicated with his people. So there was not a question. There wasn't a question. His people and how he communicates with his people now. I don't know if I have ever heard the audible voice of Yahweh, but I do remember one Sunday morning back in the 90s as I was sleeping, I heard Yahweh call my name so loud it woke me up and shook me. Uh, Pastor, he's talking to Scott here. He's not talking to me. I mean, seriously, I got up and looked around to see who was calling my name first thing in the morning. Yep. It was so loud in my spirit, I could almost hear it in my physical year, uh, ears. I'll never forget that. Okay, with that said, and for you out there who think I'm already crazy because I <laughs> believe the Bible for what it says, here's another reason you can think I'm a nutty, nutty as a loon. I was sleeping one night, and I can tell you it's 3.07 in the morning. And I was, look, when I sleep, I sleep. That old, that old adage of sleeping like a dead man, yep, yep. I sleep like a dead man. In fact, on my honeymoon night, my wife reached over and put her hand on my arm, and I had had it out of the bed, and it was ice cold, and she thought I was <laughs> <you> dead. Because <laughs> she, she says, I leaned in really close to you so I could tell if you were breathing. And uh, it scared her, yeah, all right, because yeah. that's how deep I sleep. And... I heard God say, wake up. Yeah, yeah. And my eyes snapped or felt to me that I just snapped awake. And in my ears, I was hearing praise music. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, God gave me some instructions that night or that morning, whichever. And they, the instructions, I've been following them. But what's supposed to occur has not happened yet. But okay. I'm just telling okay. you, it's going to happen. Absolutely. There's going to be a new school in the near future. I just don't know where and when. And I, I have been given the uh, division. I just have not been allotted the provision yet. I, I and understand. When, and when that happens, the vision will become a reality. Yeah, and I have no doubt it's going to happen. But I'll tell you, when you talk about this, because we're so used to now taking the supernatural out of everything. Yeah, yeah. That people, look, the first time I told my wife this, she looked at me like, you have lost it. <laughs> and I then she, that look. And then she says to me, you know, well, why doesn't God talk to me like that? Yeah, yeah. And I don't have an answer for that, all right? I'm just saying... He talked to me, and I feel lucky that happened. Yeah. God, God deals with all of us uh, individually. We're, we're all a little um, – we're, we're all different personalities, right? Um, and as for um, the voice of God, yes, there were times when the voice of God simply emanated from wherever it was. There were times when God was in the flesh, and my personal opinion is that um, that's Yeshua. We know that. According to the book of John, uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then we skip down, it says, and everything that was made was made through him. So the voice that actually spoke in in the instance of creation, uh, according to John, is the voice of the Messiah himself. It was Messiah who spoke. Um, 
everything into existence that exists. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. So, you know, do you ever wonder what he said? I mean, I seriously, did he just go, <sighs> bang? Yeah, and I don't then, know. So that was, all the physicists that was the big bang. and astrophysicists yeah. can say, see Big Bang. Hey, there you go. Um, <laughs> well, I always say, uh, I believe in a Big Bang, too. I believe Jesus said it, and bang, it happened. Yeah. So, um, yes, but the I, Bible says that. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it, it indicates happened there. So, um, yes, we know that... Um, we know that God has spoken at times, but we also know that God has simply given people impressions at times. Um, we, we've seen that sort of thing. Uh, I've had a couple of instances in my life where uh, I heard, and people, every time I hear someone talk about hearing the audible voice of God, uh, you, you talk to them about it and they go, well, it, it wasn't really an audible, audible voice of God. It was a voice of God, and I knew that my ears were hearing it, even though I knew there was no sound in the room. And, and I know that experience. Um, I, I know uh, and a an impression so strong, a voice so strong that I heard it in my ears, even though I'm quite convinced that no one else in the room yeah. heard it. Um, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So th- I've had that happen a couple of times in my life. Um, but God often speaks to me in dreams. Um, and I, talk about that. Dreams are important. Dreams are important. And we, we have to be careful with dreams. Um, the, the Bible is clear that God speaks to us in dreams. Your old men, your young men shall see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Uh, maybe I've got that upside down, but I don't think so. Um, and there is a difference um, when God has placed a dream into your mind and into your heart and your soul and is communicating with you in that way. Uh, for starters, <clears throat> that dream tends to uh, be extraordinarily vivid. Mm-hmm. Um, often it comes with a uh, it comes with a call to go and do. It comes with a call to action. Um, the Bible says that um, prophecy is not given for personal reasons. So God is not, not going to – if you're looking for the lottery numbers just so you can get rich, don't bother. That's not the way God works. Um, God is clear about that. It's not for your personal profit. So almost always it comes with a call to go and do or a warning uh, to take to certain individuals or um, something of that nature, a, a response to someone else's prayer. And, and that's one of the reasons – um, I've dealt with at times people who come and ask me, said, you know, I was, I was sitting in service and I felt like I should go pray for this person, but I wasn't sure if that was from the Lord. Uh, and my, my question is always, well, do you really think Satan would tell you to get up and go pray for someone? Um, that, that didn't happen. Um, so if, if you feel that, that urging, that unction, that is from the Spirit, go do that thing. Um, now, Within reasonable bounds, right? If if you think Jesus is telling you to strip naked and run through the church, you're listening to the wrong spirit. Um, but God, God communicates with each of us the way that he created us to be communicated with. Um, I, for instance, I know Steve often talks about um, that he sees things. Um, for him, a concept simply becomes crystal clear mm-hmm. in, in a way that uh, the human mind simply doesn't act. So he knows that is something that his that was placed in his spirit in that instance. Um, uh, I, I often uh, have either dreams or, or hear things, and, and uh, God deals with me a lot of times through study, where something I've been wrestling with um, and don't have an answer for, when I finally give up and let God be God, he'll go, now that you're done, now that you're done trying to figure this out in your flesh, here's what you're looking for. Uh, and that... I think he deals with me in that way, often simply because I'm so stubborn. So, But yes, God, um, in the Old Testament, he dealt directly with man. Um, and part of that had to do with the way they expected a God to behave. Um, part of the way they expected, um, because they were living in a heathen 
world and they lived um, in, in regions where every region had its own God, God needed to deal with them in a way that made it obvious who he was. All right. Billy, we're out of time. Billy Miller in today. Scott and Steve, hopefully be back next uh, Wednesday. We'll all be here. But send your questions to BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. See you tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.